Hey everyone, we are back. Welcome to Game Face, episode 271 on Sifted Games at sifted.net, our weekly whip around the gaming industry. Alongside me today to share with you the biggest stories and games from the week is Matthew Kyle. What's up, Matt? Oh, not much. Good to see you again, brother. Yeah, been a while. I hope <laughs> I remember how to talk about video games. <laughs> Yeah, like um, doing the show intro right there. I had to really stop for a second and like make sure I had everything locked down. And I, I, I nailed it, though. I think it went OK. Um, it is good to be back. It's been, I don't know, two weeks since we yeah. did an episode. Um, we thought we might be able to slide one in last week, but Matt's been crazy busy. You're working on a bunch of stuff for your films, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, finally again. How's that going? Getting there. We're done with one of them. We got one more to go. Um, there will probably be... Uh, uh, it's time to submit to film festivals and do all that stuff. So hopefully uh, next year there will be some news on that. Maybe people can go see them depending on where they are. But uh, at the very least, it'll be time to social media the hell out of them. So, what is the plan for the films? Um, to take them around the festival circuit and uh, use them to get more work and more money to make more films and larger films, not using my own money this time. <laughs> What's the length of the films right now? Do you know uh, what the runtime is? They're yet? both a little under ten minutes. Okay, so they're shorties. Yeah, but there's plenty of film festivals out there to. Oh yeah, kind of get them some run. Tons of and them. Yeah, get them almost some every major. You know, we've already we're all submitting to Slamdance and Sundance and yeah. The big, you know, probably do Toronto, Portland, you know, all the big ones. There's no, I mean, it's, it's cheap to submit. Once you got the the digital copy, you can, you know, there's no reason, nothing holding you back, yeah. as long as the film is, uh, you know, something that they might be interested in. Uh, and the two films we made are two very different films, so they they give us even, you know, if one isn't appropriate for one festival, the other one probably will be. So, yep, gives us a lot of entry entry points. And everyone, once Matt is ready to start promoting this stuff. It would be great if our community could rally around what he's been doing. And um, obviously, I'll be tweeting that stuff out. Matt will be tweeting that stuff out. Follow him at mkyle, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, And once we do that, if you guys could all retweet it and share it and stuff like that, it can make a huge difference for him. Uh, This is a big dream for him that he's been working on for a long time. And we'd love to see it uh, come off as uh, positive and uh, bountiful as Mm -hmm. possible. So keep an eye out for that stuff. Probably not till be next, like late, be next year. Next like, year, yeah. Festivals aren't really back yet. Not nothing's really quite no. back yet. Yeah, yeah. But uh, although I was on the East Coast, and you would think that it all is, because <laughs> yeah, it's a different world out there. Yeah, I mean, I was at Disneyland last week, and it was more crowded than I've seen it since the reopening. But people and, were wearing uh, masks, right? Mostly. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it, like the rule there is like you have to have masks inside and not outside. Necess- you, I mean, a lot of people are still wearing them outside. Mm-hmm. I was but most of the time, especially in the crowds. But yeah. like, um, you know, like it's sort of, yeah, they, they do enforce it. Once you get inside, there's always people standing there saying like, you know, they'll stop the line or stop the ride and like announce over the PA system, like put your mask on yeah. over your nose, you idiot kind of yeah. thing. So, because uh, that is a problem, like people with the with the the, the dick noses hanging out. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's it's all right. I, it was the first time I've been there. I've been there like I think five times since the uh, reopening. And it's the first time I felt a little uncomfortable. Yeah. In that regard, it was like every other time I felt like everybody was doing their part, and they were. It just felt a little chaotic this time. Yep. Um, On the East Coast, it's. I mean. The town that I'm in is a little town called Carlisle, PA, mm-hmm. basically smack dab in the center of Pennsylvania, halfway between Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, just south of the capital, Harrisburg. And you would never even know there was a pandemic there. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, there's nobody wearing masks. And I'll say this, like the numbers there are really low. Like in the county that my mom mm-hmm. lives in, there were like three cases or whatever. So mm-hmm. it is pretty safe. But it was interesting kind of going from here where pe- everyone's still wearing masks to going mm-hmm. there where nobody was. Like I went into 
a grocery store and I was one of two people wearing mm-hmm. masks in the store. So it's actually kind of good to see. Um, but like the bars there, for instance, just like packed, no one wearing masks. It's it was a it was different to say the least. But I think it was good too. I think we all need, especially people who are living in California, where our numbers have been terrible, and now we're we're actually crushing it. Like yeah. we're doing really good. Um, but we're just so used to having this lifestyle now for the last couple of years to go back there. It was refreshing in a lot of ways. But you're right, you feel a little uneasy when you mm-hmm. get around it at first. Um, but it was good to get away. Um, I didn't do really anything. Like I literally didn't do anything other than like every day I had like a little bit of work I had to do to get episodes up. And my mom has DSL. I don't know if uh, oh, Mama wow. Sifted is watching today, but hey, mom. Um, her <laughs> Can DS- she watch this on DSL? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how she does, dude. It is so just the a vague worst. pixel blob that sounds like her son. It was the biggest problem was that it wasn't even that it was slow, which it is. But I had mm. already like uploaded stuff before I left, so all I had to do was just go in and mm-hmm. like type in descriptions and set up monetization. And because it kept going up and down, it took me like two hours to do <laughs> stuff that would take like ten minutes. I don't know how she does it. I tried to convince her to upgrade to cable internet. She would not do it. It's like $10 more a month. And Mm. she's like, I'm on a budget. I'm retired. I'm like, oh, man. So anyway, it was good to get away. I did not play any games the whole time I was gone. None. Mm. Zero. Um, Really disengaged from the industry as well. It wasn't on Twitter. wasn't on social media. I just really kicked it in my mom's lounge chair for like seven days and uh, hung out with my wife, who also is from that area, and her family. Uh, Hung out with some old friends. Did a fantasy draft. And the people in my fantasy draft, they were – aggro like it almost didn't happen um, Mm. because people were nervous because it's in philadelphia where the numbers are a little worse Mm. and they all have kids and stuff and so like they at first the draft wasn't going to happen which was a big reason why i went home Mm. and then we ended up doing the draft outside in someone's lawn which was awesome so it all worked out Uh, but anyway it was good to uh get away for a little bit refresh press the reset button get ready for a big q4 that's coming although i'll say this not looking as big as maybe we thought it was going to be. No, someone, someone lost something from their fantasy draft, speaking <laughs> of which. Yeah, while I was gone, I lost uh, Dying Light 2. Yeah. I don't know if it's good. Is that going to make it interesting now, do you um, think? It depends on some of the scores. I didn't tabulate them all. Like you, I still have one more zero than you, Okay, I, I think. if I We're, we're talking about our fantasy, yeah. video game fantasy draft, by the way, for those of um, you don't know. But it's, I mean, it's a... It's it's just going to be who crashed better this time. Like no one's going to win this. It's just there gonna, is no winner. It's just going to be who lost the least. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, but anyway, we're back, and we'll be back here every Tuesday at Twitch.tv/siftedgames uh, at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. It's, it is good to be back. It's good to get back in the swing of things. It was good to come back and have just a metric ton of mm-hmm. games to play. Yeah, there was a lot. It was hard, honestly, getting through all this stuff for the week. But it I didn't will even, make. Still, didn't even have time to play uh, Kina. I played a little bit was, of it today. Yeah. Actually, did you play it at all? No, nah, it went live for me last night, but I didn't have time. And then this morning, I played more Deathloop just to get my head back around it. And we're going to talk about that in so, a minute. So um, I just, I just figured, I figured that was we were going to talk about it this week. So I'll just, I'll dive into it for next. week. I played like two hours of it. It's pretty, and <laughs> cinematically, it's gorgeous. But so far, the gameplay is like so basic. Mm. I mean, like my first action adventure game, basic. So. Mm. We'll tackle Kina in full in next week's episode, uh, but this week we have plenty to talk about. Um, and one topic we're going to have in today's show that it's a little late, I'll just be honest with you, but it's so big that we have to talk about it because there were mm-hmm. so many announcements th- that were made that if we didn't discuss it, we wouldn't be on the record on a lot of stuff. So we're going to do it. Um, what else do I got before we get going? Again, we've been gone for 10 days. Uh, let's see. Ask Shane Anything is this Saturday. 
Um, and that will be at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Again, it is a live Zoom call where people who pledge at $7 or more per month can jump on the call. Um, as always, uh, like the day before and the morning of, there will be posts reminding you guys. We'll tweet and remind you guys um, to show up because if you guys don't show up for the call, there is no Ask Shane anything. Uh, but again, it's happening at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Um, and so if you are a patron who pledges at $7 or more per month, uh, kind of put that in your calendar for Saturday. Also, I haven't completely given up on the Super Mario or Super Mario Maker 2 live stream where I play your levels. That was a total bust before. I'm trying to make it happen still. Uh, uh, stay in the loop about that. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Sifted Games, and we'll keep you in the loop. Uh, what else? I think that's it. The only other thing was coming back was discouraging because our Patreon <laughs> dropped like $300 a month. Mm-hmm. I know that's not a big deal for most Patreons. That's like 10% or more of like our Patreon. It's it's so discouraging. No I, breaks. No breaks for you. It's horrible, man. Yeah. I hadn't taken any vacation for two years and I go on vacation for a week. Imagine if you worked at a job where your boss came to you and he or she said, if you take that first vacation in two years, we're going to Dock your pay when you come back. Mm-hmm. That's what I just, what happened to me. It's it's so frustrating. I can't even put it into words. So I came back all refreshed and happy, and then I looked at our Patreon, <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. And the sad part was, like, we lost some people who had been patrons for a while, like people who had just been there since the beginning, who just completely dropped their pledges. We had a bunch of people who were supporting at higher tiers that dropped it down to 4 bucks. It's not good, people. It's not good at all. But uh, here we are for episode 271, and we're going to deliver a good one for you guys today. We're going to kick things off with a game that everyone's talking about, and that game is Deathloop. Matt, game of the year stuff being thrown around about this game. A 10 out of 10 from IGN for this game. Um, Are you surprised at some of the praise for this? Um, I feel like I'm losing my mind. (laughs) Uh, 10 out of 10. 10 out, of ten, 10 out of 10 for this? And look, IGN is a little more loosey-goosey with its perfect yeah, scores absolutely. than a lot oh, of hours. Sure, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I've only played about three hours, two, three hours of this, between two and three hours. The concept of this being more than a seven is literally insane to me. I cannot, I cannot adequately express how completely neutral I am about this game. I, I, this game promotes... promotes this game provokes no response from me. Uh, it is a video game. Like I don't, I don't get it. And I've been saying this since you know, probably from over a year now. Where like every time they do a preview of it or they show it, I don't get it. I don't understand what's compelling about this thing. Like this is one game that I nailed though for our draft. Oh yeah, you did. I said did. that you it was going to get a high score, even if I thought it didn't deserve it. Right. I thought it was going to get high scores. It's um, yeah, I. It's a, it's. I mean, like, there's elements. I like. Yeah, the concept is cool. Um, I do like Colt as a character. Like, mm-hmm. I think he's funny for the most part. And, like his responses to things as he's learning what's happening is funny. Um, but like, in terms of how it plays, it feels just like the same thing Arcane's always made. It's a little slippery. I don't like the gunplay. Uh, the stealth feels sort of loose and, and not very satisfying. I'm not sure I'm doing it right, but I, sometimes I just get through a thing and it's fine, and I guess I did it, you know? Um, the rooms are weirdly sterile. Like, they're full of detail, but there's nothing to interact with. There's nothing to do. Yeah. Um, it's very linear. It's Even even once you get past the point where it's like, okay, go out and do what you need to do, like, whatever you want to do, it's still 
you know, you're still kind of walking down hallways that are disguised as beaches and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, really awkward platforming because the water oh, kills yeah. you instantly. Platforming is really And all bad. that. Um, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Like, why is why did everyone think this is so? I mean, it's not bad. Like, it's yeah. not like making me say, like, "Oh my, this game's terrible." But the 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 praise it's getting and the, and the, I mean, I don't get it. I, I I don't have anything else to say. I'm just like <laughs> I'm like what? Like, what am I missing? I feel like I need someone to come like point to things on the screen that I don't understand. Like, I have I have not felt this left out uh, about a game since I can't remember. Like, I I it's bizarre to me. Like, I. I feel like I'm missing something obvious, and now I, you know how I, I feel know about the Souls games. Yeah, I guess. Like, <laughs> but like even the Souls people are kind of like, I love this game, but I'm it's, a, Look, it's this flaw fair. and that flaw. I, and this I do flaw. understand why people like the Souls games. But this yeah. game's getting like this game's like riding like a nine point five average or something, and it just there. baffles me. I, yeah. I don't get it. I, I am. What I'm, am I missing? Why is this compelling? Like, I am so bored playing this game. I don't understand what's happening. I am torn on this game. So there are moments where I do think it's brilliant. But it's not brilliant the whole way through. Right. And for scores like that, it should be brilliant the whole way through. Yeah. Um, one thing I I both love and hate about it is it's one it's a like it's a roguelike. You end up repeating the same sections of the game over and over. I've generally not been a huge fan of roguelikes in the past. I like this one more than most because it's Easier. It's super easy. It's like way almost too easy. I fell asleep playing it at one point <laughs> last, like the other night. Because it, like, like a lot of Arcane's other games, you can play it how you want. You can play it as a stealth game, or you can go in guns blazing. However, the way the levels are designed, it's very obvious mm-hmm. that there are two paths. There's the sneaky path that's yeah. always along the edge, and then there's the down the middle path where you need to kill everybody. Basically, yeah. and it's weird because like. The first time you really run into that mechanic, it calls it out with the floating text. Yeah, the floating text. And I was like, I was like, okay, okay. And then like a, a few, a little after a little more play time, I was like, oh, there, all of it's like that. Like it wasn't like I thought it was kind of giving me an example. Like here, you can sneak around or you can do that. But it, I didn't realize it was like, oh, we're going to give you, we're going to give you a sneaky path and a, a gunplay, a, you know, go loud path. Yeah. And never the twain. Ch- and if you try to sneak through the other path. Good luck. Good luck. You know, you're, <laughs> not that you're going to die because the game's super easy, but like yeah. you're just going to have to shoot people. You could die. I mean, I, Theoretically, I do die like, eventually. But most that, of my deaths have been from falling in water. Falling in water or not knowing that I'm even being hit. Like, yeah, that is it's true. It's very subtle that you're taking damage. So sometimes I'm trying to like climb up something, and I have my back turned. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the enemies have spotted me. And they get in shots before I even realize that I'm getting hit. Mm-hmm. And next thing I know, like I'm, I turn around, and they're right there, and they kill me. That's how I've died the most mm-hmm. in this game. But back to the point I was making before. So I like that it's easier, but also it means that the runs are so much longer, like every time. Mm-hmm. Like my first run was like two and a half or three hours. And then you die and you get sent back to the beach where you started. Right. And it's the time commitment uh, to me. To getting back to zero, basically. I mean, it's yeah. not terrible, but also like because you get like, you know, you get two respawns basically. Yeah. Uh, with, with the reprise, and the third one ability. you die for good. Yeah, um, like it takes so long for me to die to die that many times. A couple times, like I've died the third time, and then pop back on the beach. I'm like, what the hell is it? I forgot that it was like <laughs> That's how it that you would end up back at yeah, the beginning of the beginning. The runs last so long. Yeah, and because it doesn't, it doesn't really feel that different from any normal shooter it to doesn't. me. Like it doesn't. Yeah. 
I feel like I'm playing a shooter where I can't die, basically. Yeah. Like, like, a, like almost like a super hot kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's not that tough. Like, it's usually I can make a mistake or I get tripped up by the bad jumping platforming stuff. Like, I haven't really had a problem with the with the enemies too much. Yeah. Outside of, like, you know, the odd explosion here. Mm-hmm. Or like, somebody, you know, Turrets. Every turrets, once in a while you yeah, turn a, a corner turret. and a turret's just there and it yeah. just mows you down. Also, can I... I think I have to finally admit that I just really hate how Arcane designs their UIs. Oh. Like I just aesthetically, <laughs> I just find them repulsive. I hate the as soon as that slanted health bar popped up, I was like, "Oh no, I don't want to look at that." Doesn't the whole time. it look like there's like an anomaly or like a glitch? Yeah, it looks like a lot of their stuff looks like that, and like. And like the, I don't like the menu design. Like it's and you have to in the especially on PS. I'm playing on PS5, and so they t- everything's done like a cursor, like a mouse. Like you're controlling a mouse, and you get a highlight. I'm like, that's annoying. Like yeah. it's a minor thing, but it was just it, it didn't. When like you know, starting the game and having to move the cursor around to highlight things and having it start on things that were not what I wanted to select and have to move it. Like it was kind of a not great first impression just from a, from a user standpoint. Maybe we should rewind a bit and share with people what the game actually is. Yeah. So it is a roguelike and the game starts, you wake up on this beach as a dude. Well, first you, uh, you're you doing a you're thing killed. and you get killed yeah. by this woman. You're murdered by this woman and then you wake up on a beach. Yeah. And you have no idea who you are, where you are, what you're supposed to be doing. And you start seeing the pop-up text in the world yeah. that kind of pushes which is, you along. Which is supposed to be you talking to yourself, basically. Right. It's, like, it's, yeah. it's other versions of you who know who what's, what's happened already. Right. And they're, trying to, they're tired of you not remembering. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and you actually see another version of you. Yeah, who saves the, you at one who point. Saves yeah. you. I, don't, I, I still don't understand. I'll be honest with you, Matt. I'm still not 100% clear what's going on in this game. Like, mm-hmm. I know there's a bunch. you have to kill a bunch of people. Um, I think the most I've killed before I died was four of the assassins. Um, oh yeah, the um, what, what are they, they called? called? I like, don't yeah, remember. the v- beings with a V, I think. Yeah, the, that's that's part of the problem too. Is like there was part of me when I first started. You know, when you first start to get the premise that there's all these like you know kind of basically super powered assassins running around, I was like, oh, we're gonna get to like, kind of figure out who they are and have to learn how to approach them. Not really. No. Like you just sort of kill them. Like, and they're, they're actually not that hard to kill. Yeah, and they're either. not. They're not personality. Like I was expecting, I guess, kind of like more like a No More Heroes and, thing, where it's yeah. like everybody is like unique and like, and they do have unique powers, but like they they're about it. They have about as much personality and relevance as Mega Man villains. Uh, you know, you kill them and you get your get your their thing, and that's it. Like it's just like okay, like even Hitman. That's can I, I don't know why I keep comparing this to Hitman in my head. Um, and I know you don't like Hitman, but like yeah. there is an element of like. I am starting to piece together what the story is about, like what the anomaly is, and why the time loop is happening, mm-hmm. sort of, and all that stuff. But it's all being pieced together out of like notes I find, and like the, you know, you right. find little notes, and that yeah. adds like a little like pop up, like a little you know, basically like a lore thing where he figures yeah. out more, and eventually you can put that together. It comes becomes kind of an impromptu side quest sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and it really feels archaic, in the, especially in the sense of like. I keep thinking of Hitman, and then I think of Hitman 3, and I think of how I got to know what Hitman 3's characters and targets were going to do by watching them. Right. Whereas yeah. in this, I have to read about. It's, it's like but a show-don't-tell thing. Yeah, I mean, there is like a tagging system in the game. I, which I hate. Well, Like, it, that it, tagging system is irritating as hell. It, it's useful, though, because it tells you what weapon they have. Oh, sure. And like, then you can track the, their The movements. info's useful, but the way you have to do it is dumb, because yeah. you have to down on the D-pad, and you're trying to, like, if you've got a cluster of enemies, you can't really target all of them. And you target, I mean, yeah. Oh, you put, yeah, it thinks the cursor's over the one you already tagged, so you untag that one. Right. And you go, it's, like, it's just like, just let me tag things. Just yeah. let me look at them. <laughs> Far cry it. Let me look yeah. at them for a while and tag them. Like, for, it's, or at least don't make me untag. Why would I want to untag them? I don't understand. I don't get it that. either. 
it's it's just you know it's things like that where I'm just like yeah. I, I'm trying to engage with you game but you're making it irritating the whole way through and then when it does happen and, the, and things blow up and I have to fight I don't even like doing that so I just I don't get it like yeah. it's like it's a compelling premise but I don't feel like the premise is even done very very much justice in the process because it's presented such a boring manner I feel like the game is like if we happy few and Returnal had a love child yeah that makes yeah yeah. It's like we happy fuse world with a lot of the design decisions yeah. from Returnal. Now, Except without you, the survival crap. Yeah. At least what, that's not in it. Yeah. Now, when you die the third time, you don't start completely over from scratch like Returnal. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll keep some of your weapons. Yeah. You, every, everything you finish like a, like a section with, you, or like a quest section basically, you keep the weapons you're holding when you end it. You keep the upgrades. You keep the, you know, the, 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 the trinkets and stuff. So you, you do become... As you finish sections of the of your missions, you become more powerful, and you yeah. start with you know you still have to go through the thing and like pick up the hacking device and do all that. And they they do a pretty good job. At least I'm, I haven't I've the only the design's had to, pretty smart. Yeah, I mean I've only had to restart that like twice. Yeah, but like outside of the times you're forced to as part of the tutorial. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, um, like Hades, I do appreciate when a game a roguelike does the thing where they acknowledge how many times it's happened. You know, you you give me something different. Yeah, a response from the characters. Uh, and they've done, you know, Cole, uh, Colt definitely has a response to just about everything. Yeah. So the like, writing is good. Writing's pretty good. The voice acting's really good. Yeah, I do think that I think it falls a little too much into the whole everyone's just yelling at each other thing. Uh, I've stumbled across some pretty interesting conversations. Yeah, from here and there. I, I think the, the humanize the, the enemies in a lot of ways. Yeah, the relationship, the, the the at least early on, the relationship between Colt and Juliana, who's the the other person who's trying to kill him all Who the time, appears to be like his prior. Yeah girlfriend or whatever right uh i find that relationship to be a little trying a little hard yeah. like they're both yelling at each other and all right it's like it's like it's, it feels doesn't feel like people it feels like comedy yeah um oh it's definitely comedic this game yeah but i sure. mean it doesn't feel like the way two people would interact with each oh, other okay. it just it just feels like it'll be funny if they do this it's like okay well that's not really especially like you say there are some overheard conversations that do feel humanizing but you don't get that from the protagonist no so no, much. no they're just um, from the people that you're supposed to kill yeah. and she and of course, of course juliana because like you know, she invades she, Dark Souls style. She invades your game periodically, and you have to fight her off. Yep. And you can have. But that. she can only do that so many times. Right. But she can be a CPU, or she can be a, another player. And you can also, by um, the way, if you're watching the B-roll at the beginning, when you start, you choose whether you want to be the guy trying to survive or whether you want to invade other people's games. Yeah. Although you do have to, fin- you have to finish the tutorial section of Cult before you before can play you can Juliana. select the invasion option. Um, yeah. I will also say I tried it both ways, and. Um, uh, I barely got invaded at all with the CPU. Mm-hmm. I got invaded more often with the players, but I found fighting players less annoying than fighting the <laughs> CPU invader. Like, Interesting. Because see, players will react. Like, yeah. I could throw a grenade and a player would move away, and I'd know where, which way I thought they were going to move, and I could kind of anticipate that, whereas the the, um, the, AI, the AI is just like, oh, if you're a grenade, I'm still going to shoot you right in the fucking face. Like, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't stop, <laughs> break their aim. It doesn't make them react. So, like, I actually found, for once... Uh, I found the the human players to be less intrusive. Also, uh, the CPU only invaded me, I think, twice. But both times, she popped up basically next to me. Oh yeah, like, like out of nowhere. Like, almost yeah. like what? Is but she's easy to kill too. Yeah, but at least like with the humans, it feels a little more like I, what I think the intention is that you're being cat and mouse. Stop. Yeah, yeah, like there's more to more to that when the human player is doing it. I don't know if that's intentional or not. Yeah. Now, I, I have not played as Juliana yet. Oh. I didn't. I haven't done that from the other side yet. I do think the design in some places is pretty smart. Um, like the way the levels are designed, so when you do die, you don't have to go through all the tedious mm. crap again. 
when we first started playing it, I don't, I didn't, at least I didn't realize how it was all going to work. And then as I, I died and kept trying, it's pretty smart how they've designed stuff. So you don't yeah, have to do the level a lot of design the is things yeah, the level design is other than the kind of obvious stealth stealth path gun path like a lot of it's really smart. You know, when you come out of the control room the first time i'm like oh i gotta go all the way back and get to the room and then yeah. i'm like can i just jump over all that ice <laughs> and like go and yeah like if you do yeah. if you risk your life and jump across water and or over the are, ice, anytime and you, you are if ice is in this uh, <laughs> water is an insta, insta kill but like and the jumping sucks yeah the so. jumping's terrible but if you if you do it you get around that thing and you're back where you need to go in like a minute versus yeah. like 10 minutes so yeah. i'm like yeah, they are very open to, you know, and one time in the tutorial, I decided to just go the other direction, and it popped up and things like, oh, yeah, by the way, you don't have to go the way we tell you to go all the time. You can yeah. go this way if you want. I'm like, that's cool. Like, yeah. You know, there's, there, um, it is a very fairly linear game. It's not as, as free range as I kind of ex- was expecting it to be for some reason. I don't yeah. know why I the had that impression. The level design is very linear. Yeah, yeah. but. I mean, you have the two paths. You have the stealth path and the guns blazing path. Right, but, but like, in general, I it does a decent job of not making me feel railroaded. Yeah, um, I'd agree with that. Uh, it it feels like I get to make some choices as to how I approach something, um, which is not something they've always succeeded at in other games. Uh, I think Dishonored Two they did, mm-hmm. but like I felt pretty I felt pretty stuck to the floor in Prey for the most part. Um, would lose my my way a lot in that yeah. actually when I had to go back and go fight. But I, I, that doesn't happen in this one. Um, maybe because it's so handholdy. I know there's people that say you should play it without the objective marker. Mm. Um, no, I have not you. tried that. I might do I've that. I've played with the marker. I might do that if I liked it more. Yeah. But like, I can see that being if you really enjoy the game and want to like do it that way. I'd be, yeah, I can see that being cool. Uh, I don't. I, honestly, I don't even know if I want to go back and play it again. I, I don't feel like you should have to Jimmy games to enjoy them. Probably not. But it is. It, it is an option. Yeah. Um, maybe I, I'll look into that. Yeah. Probably not. Probably not. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've also noticed like it's interesting like you know watching people on Twitter and and my friends who are have played it more like a lot of them have been sort of like yeah I they they, they start it and they're just like oh my god this is amazing and mm. by the end of the game they're like yeah I'm I'm I was ready for that to be over yeah. I'm, like they, they, like there was there's a sentiment that I've seen a lot where like it gets more bo- I get more bored with this game as it goes on yeah um which is not super unique for you know you know once the game shows you all its tricks yeah uh, that can happen you know anyone has played a Ubisoft open world game knows what that feels yep. like, right? For those um, last 25 hours. Yeah, the 25 hours. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, I don't think there's anything left to see, really. We're just hitting the sword button a those lot. Those first 40 or 50 were pretty good. Oh, though. yeah. <laughs> oh, DLC, you say? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but look, the weapons, like, you can upgrade them They're mm-hmm. with trinkets. And one thing I did find, there's, like, a risk-reward. Like, if you take the easier kind of stealthy path... You don't get as much of that stuff. Yeah, you do pick up a lot of that up from the enemies. Yeah, so if you do actually go guns blazing, which I think is more challenging than the yeah. other way, also you like do the get game, for it. the game throws ammo at you pretty regularly. Yeah. Like, it, it, like you, the game is definitely built to do it either way, but going stealth feels like you're passing things up. Yep, you um, are. Not that I'm, not that I have fun shooting people because I don't find the gunplay good. Yeah, but oh, like, I, I think the gunplay feels terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Um, to the point that terrible. I, I mean, you know how I feel about shotguns. Terrible, 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 terrible gunplay. Um, you know how I feel about shotguns. I don't particularly like yeah, these. Yeah. Shot, but shotguns, I just run up. <laughs> I've turned into a Gears of War multiplayer jerk in this well, also, game. I just, I just I run up. A, <laughs> I got a perk really early that helps your gun be more effective at longer range. Mm. I had a tr- I got a trinket, and so I installed it on the shotgun. And usually a shotgun's only good from 15 to 20 feet. Now that shotgun's good from, like, 30 to 40, and yeah. you're right. Like, I just ended up using the shotgun 
pretty much the whole way through. Yeah. I had a shotgun and it's like one shot long range super damage rifle with heavy that used the heavy yeah. ammo. And I was like, yep, that's pretty much all I need. Yeah. And, um, and then you, and then you start gaining abilities like eventually like you get the blink ability mm-hmm. that is like from Dishonored. So you you can yeah. definitely see the arcane pedigree in this game, which is something that I'm surprised at. Um, this is also made by Arcane Leone, which is kind of a new studio, mm-hmm. like an imprint of Arcane. So I wondered if the the pedigree was going to be there. Oh, it is. It is. It absolutely is. Like, you can tell this is an Arcane game. I'll also say this, too. The game looks better than I thought it was going to. Somewhat, yeah. I, I like Graphically. Graphically, I, yeah. I, I don't think the characters look very good. No, I hate that. I I I've never liked Arcane's art style, no. I'll be honest with I you. I mean, this is, this, is a, this is more normal than they're usually you know it's mm-hmm. definitely not dishonored because it's very stylized mm-hmm. um i'm just like even like looking at like even the title screen like like uh colt and juliana don't really have expressions on their faces like i don't know who any of these characters are like I mean, you could show me you could show me a, a, like a bunch of pictures of the main characters in this game other than colt and juliana and i probably wouldn't know who they were there are no cinematics in the game yeah None. you never see anybody really up close no it's weird like i mean everything is just happening live there's yeah. no just set cinematics with fixed camera angles. Yeah, and, and I guess I kind of get, like, that's... Like, I guess there's an element... Reading the reviews and stuff, there's sort of... That part of the, Some of the praise sort of is the same praise that they got, like, the, like the Outer Wilds got. There yeah. was kind of a big interlocking machine that you had to figure out as you go. Um, I, I found the Outer Wilds approach to this way more compelling than what Deathloop is doing, because... The Outer Wilds. I don't know. The Outer Wilds didn't feel like it was. Are you thinking Outer me. Worlds or Outer Wilds? Outer Wilds. Oh, okay. The, the you know. Outer Worlds also. I think there are some comparisons to this. As Somewhat. Well. I mean, yeah. Certainly in terms of loose gunplay. Right. Um, but no, <laughs> exactly. Outer Wilds, the puzzly game where you yeah. go out and, you have, and they have to. You yeah, know, I was just making sure. Yeah, it was. Uh, no, that's the thing that. Yeah, everybody mixes those two up. Yep, it's easy. Um, but no, Outer Wilds with the. You know, obviously, Deathloop is not the same kind of thing. You're not. You're not trying to catch up all the time. You know, it's not like uh, Ocarina or uh, Majora's Mask or or. You know, Outer Wilds, you're trying to like, I got to get here at this time. Or, right. you know, you're, you're switching time zones more than like, and that will kind of determine what happens more than like you have to re- redo this thing and make sure you get to this point by, you know, a minute and 30 into the time. You know, that's not as, or at least not so far has been not a thing you really had to worry about, which is good because I hate that. <laughs> um, like, I don't like being on a weird timer and like, yeah, me either. Suddenly, I figure out, oh, that's what I have to do. But I, you know, like 12 minutes. So, I mi- never finished Majora's Mask back in the yeah. day. Yeah. Or like 12 minutes where it's like, oh, now I know what to do, but the loop is almost over. So, I have to wait and do it again, do it again and wait right. through the first four minutes of it. And then now I get, yeah. Now I can do what yeah. I learn. I can, you know, yeah, Deathloop death loop at least avoids that. Yeah. Like, that's not, not there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, there's yeah. other stuff I like, though. Like, I like the hack a jig. Um, if you do yeah. come across turrets and they don't mow you down, you can take control of them mm-hmm. and pick them up. It's like a little briefcase. And then I, I love turrets. I mm-hmm. love them in every game I play. And if I can get a turret, I'm going to use it. Um, I love using it in this game. Uh, it's awesome to like surprise enemies, put it around a corner, and then kind of coax the enemies out of a mm-hmm. building or whatever and just watch them come out and get mowed down and then go pick up the turret and then take it to the next corner and rinse and repeat. There are cool elements of this game. And like you, I don't think it's a bad game at all. I think, actually, I think it is a good game. But the praise that it's been getting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's bad. I just, A, think it's fine. And B, it's not for me. Um, Like, I don't see what anyone's talking about on this thing. Like, I don't. How do you feel about games that get perfect scores, Matt? Do you feel like they need to have at least a somewhat wide appeal? Or does no, it I mean, ma- does no, appeal I th- matter? Not really. I mean, I think 
if a person thinks, you know, if the review, I've thinks, never given one, so I don't know. I mean, I have, but I was working on a five point scale. That's easy. Um, yeah. I've given five out of five. Yeah. But. Uh, I think if you know if you if the reviewer really feels that way about it, I'm I'm fine with that. I don't I don't think a ten out of ten necessarily indicates a flawless, perfect game that every single human being that picks a controller up should enjoy, you know, to an ec- ecstatic level. Um, but do you think there's a certain level though of <coughs> bless you? Do you think there's a certain level though where like maybe fifty percent of players should at least enjoy the game? I mean, I don't see how anyone can gauge that. Yeah, it's like hard. It's, that, yeah. A review is subjective. If this mm-hmm. is, you know, I don't also don't want someone to lie about how much they like a game if they think yeah. that other people won't like it as much because that doesn't help me either. Yeah. Um, the thing that the thing that gets me is not that IGN gave it a ten out of ten. The thing that gets me is that everybody is giving it. It's getting kind it from of a lot of outlets. Like it's, yeah. And I just don't get it. I yeah. it's. It's baffling to me. Like, I, it's not like I'm like, oh, this game should be a zero. It should be a, a four out of ten or whatever. It's not, you know, no, it's fine. But it's like, I don't get what's special about this. And more, I read a lot of stuff and tried to peruse a lot of tweets and, and about to figure it figure out. And I, I don't. It, mm, mm. Like, I'm, it just I'm doesn't make it. It just doesn't do it for me. There's no. There's nothing about it that hooks me or makes me interested or makes. in in the gameplay is so bland to me that it doesn't make me want to play anymore. Um, the only thing that really fully appeals to me is Colt as a character, and that's not quite enough because uh, there's not that much character to this game. Like he he talks a lot in the beginning, but it kind of settles into just sort of random commentary after mm-hmm. a while. And like I don't, you know, until you run into Juliana or, or a plot point happens, like there's not much to to grab onto there. And then like the fact that the the uh, the you know the big you know, the big bads are just sort of slightly harder to kill normal people like I, they're not that much i really thought there was going to be more kill. meat to that and there yeah. wasn't and it's weird like i just don't know what i'm supposed to latch on to narratively and i don't know what i'm supposed to latch on to mechanically and i'm kind of left i'm almost left feeling you know especially once you get the blink and things like that i'm just like i almost just want to play dishonored 2 again because at mm-hmm. least dishonored 2 seems to you know i don't know like i it's i don't find the the, the way they've implemented the the roguelike elements particularly compelling but I also don't find them annoying. Uh, again, They're just sort of I, there. I do like them more than most games in that subgenre. But as, again, because it's a double-edged sword. Because it's easy. Yeah. And I can make a lot of progress. But then that just makes dying all the more soul-crushing. Because mm-hmm. it's like, man, I had this huge arsenal of weapons that I loved using. And a lot of times it seems like my favorite gun is the one that I don't get back whenever mm-hmm. I respawn. I don't know how that works, how they decide which weapons you get to keep after you respawn. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think it's because... Uh, I think you get to keep anything you've unlocked, but obviously you have to finish a section with that gun to That's the other thing we should have mentioned. So you, you finish a mission objective, and then you have to escape. Yeah. You basically have to make it back to your home base. Right. Um, and then once you do that, and you'll, you'll keep everything that yeah. you collected on that mission. Yeah. Anything you have. I mean, if you, if you got a gun and dropped it for another gun, you don't get to keep that. Right. But anything you have on you, on you. that you didn't have last time, any other times you came back to the hub will and be And they unlocked. do let you keep a lot of stuff. Like, yeah. Your inventory I mean, is pretty big. No, I feel like you, you know, you, once you know that, I feel like you can decide the things you like. And if you find something you're cool with, it's like, okay, I'm gonna, I can give up this gun I use all the time to carry this back to the end of the level so I can unlock it and use it whenever I want. Like that's, you know, it feels like a pretty fair system and uh, I haven't had a problem with that. But like, I think that's what I like, cause a couple times, yeah, the one time that happened, I was like, oh, I lost that gun. And I think it was because I'd only just found it and I didn't finish a level with it. So that's why, yeah. you know, otherwise I think I would have been able to keep it or at least uh, use it out of my arsenal next time I went to, you know, when I got back to the hub and went to the next mission. Or retried the mission, rather. Yep. Like, thinking about all my friends who play games, I I do wonder, like, how what 
percentage of my friends that play would be happy if they bought this game. Um, and I'd, I've never reviewed games that way. I've always just looked at the game and decided whether I liked it and compared it against other games on the same platform um, and just gave it scores that way. But it's it would be hard for me to give a game a 10 out of 10 that I did not feel like a lot of people would want would be happy with buying at full price I guess mm-hmm. it's a it's a strange position I think to be in as a critic is is your job to just tell people whether you like something or not or is it your job to tell them whether they should spend their money on it and those are two different things mm-hmm. um and I think I as a critic I'm kind of a blend of the two like I do mm-hmm. when I evaluate games I do care if I think most people are going to enjoy it um and I don't know if it would come through in my scores because I'm always scoring a game against game Y against game Z uh, based upon what they're doing on that same platform. Um, but it would be hard for me to give it, even if I loved this game, it would be hard for me to give it a perfect score, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm. It would probably ultimately affect the end score at least a little bit. Um, I don't know. It, this is one of those games that puts, I feel like puts you in a tough position as a critic. Uh, because it may resonate with you, and apparent, you know, whoever reviewed it with IGN, it resonated with them big time, and I won't take that away from them. Like it's their opinion, and they loved it, and there's nothing wrong with that. You can't, your opinion can't be wrong because it's your opinion. Um, but when you give it that ten out of ten, to me, you're it's a it's yeah. a signal. I mean, I'm gonna, I won't fully, you know, I know the opinion can't be wrong thing is something we were sort of arose in the '90s. I don't agree with that. Really? No. I mean, like, I'm not gonna tell the IGN guy he doesn't know what he's talking about. But uh, as Roger Ebert used to tell a story about Gene Siskel back from back in the 70s when he was having an argument with another critic at a Chicago bar, uh, Siskel said, uh, there is a point at which a difference of opinion shades off into an error of fact. When you say that the Valachi Papers is a better film than The Godfather, you are wrong. Yeah. And uh, there's an, you know, and I think well, like, time look, has borne I, that if out. If the IGN editor said the gunplay is amazing and mm-hmm. it feels so responsive and that's wrong right that's and actually can, wrong and you can like some you know you i don't can, know if he did by the way you can I'm like i don't know that. i didn't read the <laughs> whole thing you can like the Velocci papers more than the godfather but calling it a better film is ridiculous from a technical po- standpoint which i think is some, a distinction you draw in game reviews all the time yeah um i tried to tend i tended to have tended to have taken a more holistic approach to game reviews where i'm sort of reviewing them as an art object more than you know a mechanical function uh, I, I lean more on kind of the traditional element of, of the traditional approach to film criticism versus the um, consumer reports idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do feel that for the most part, at least with the with the with the perspective of 20 years of having done it, I think consumer reports makes more sense for video game reviewing. Not hundred yeah. percent, like, but like you see, you got to get some, you got to get some artistic opinion in there too. Actually, but th- you th- are, th- you th- are very much re- evaluating a product more than because it's, you, you, it's not like it's like a film critic has to review what it's like to put your eyes on the screen, right? You know, right. Whereas, no matter how brilliant a game may be, if the controls are not workable, you're gonna have a bad time. And that's a, that's more of an you know that's, I don't know if it's an objective, but it does feel more much, like it does yeah. feel more like you're criticizing something more like how it feels to drive a car right. than how it feels to look at a painting. Right. You know what I mean? I agree with that. Yep. And so there, you're right. There are different elements of it, and I'm interested to hear from chat because things have changed so much, Matt. Mm-hmm. When we first started, we we didn't want to be, but we were gatekeepers because so mm-hmm. 
few people had early access to games back then. There were like a hundred of us who got games early and got to play them before they came out and got to deliver our opinion on them. Now, there are just thousands and thousands of YouTubers and streamers mm -hmm. who are playing these games live in front of people. And so my question for the chat is, what do you look for from reviews now? Are you looking for advice on whether to buy the game or have you already figured that out at that point and you're looking for sort of pontification on the game or ways that a streamer or a critic or a YouTuber can look at games differently from maybe maybe other people? Mm -hmm. um, what are people looking for now from game reviews? Is it Are they really relying on reviews at this point to decide whether to buy stuff or not? I don't know. I, don't, I rarely see people point out specific reviews about anything like that. I generally see them talk about consensus. Yeah. Like it's almost always seems to be more of looking at what everybody thinks as sort of a conglomerate and maybe picking out a few pull quotes that are on Metacritic or Rotten Tomatoes and then deciding kind of from there if that tips you over the edge of buying or playing this game. Um, Scorpio's um, Finest says actually to that point, to be honest, I bought Kena today based on review scores. It's a game mm -hmm. I was on the fence about and reviews tipped me over. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of exactly what you were explaining there. Yeah. I mean, there are reviewers that I, I wait more in my own mind because mm -hmm. often because I know them personally. Right. And, you know, yeah. Like I'm going to take something Patrick Klepek says about a game more seriously than like some other reviewer I've never heard of mm -hmm. um, because I know him and I know his taste. And, that, and some, not always is it, oh, Patrick liked it, so I'll like it. Sometimes it's Patrick didn't like that and I know he doesn't like that, but I don't mind that. That kind yeah. of thing. It's that kind of thing. Um, I, for instance, I will respect the opinion of someone who's done it longer. Yeah. Like, like I will take the opinion of someone who's been reviewing games as long as we have mm -hmm. over a 21-year-old right. YouTuber. Or I like, just will. They have more of a frame of reference. Yeah, they, like the, the San Francisco Chronicle movie critic when I was growing up was Mick LaSalle, and I don't think I've ever agreed with him on anything. But, like, if I read a review of a movie I was interested in and he hated it, there was a pretty good chance I was going to like it. <laughs> and that makes him a good <laughs> critic. Psychology. It makes him a useful critic. He's consistent. He's consistent. Right. I know what he thinks. I have a, an idea and of his taste. And I think that is taste. the key to being and a that, good critic. You know, is as it, long as you help me make make that decision yeah. and I'm happy with my decision in the end, I think your review has been successful even if I disagree with it. Yep. Um, and I think I think that's a good way to put it. And I think the key to being a good critic is being consistent. So mm -hmm. people know I'm a gameplay first guy. At this point, if you don't know that about me, then you don't know me. And so when people listen to my commentary on games, they should know that I'm going to put a little bit more emphasis on how it actually mm -hmm. plays and how it feels to play. Um, and hopefully if people like narrative-driven games, they'll be like, well, that's not Shane's forte. I respect his opinion on that, but maybe Erebus Matt Jones. is a better source for something yeah, like Erebus that. Erebus Jones makes a good point, too. What I, is do, I, do, I definitely do that, too. I know what games I like, so I'm generally just looking to make sure a game isn't a car crash. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I, I, I do do that. I, I, will, I will be like, I'm pretty sure this game is something I'm going to be interested in, and the reviews I read are just, like, reassuring myself that it is not a buggy mess. Um for instance, if we were not doing this show, I probably would have held off on Cyberpunk. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, Cyberpunk is a good example. Right. Cyberpunk is something that is exactly what I should like, mm -hmm. but the reviews would have totally put me off it if I was like a regular consumer. I mean, that's a that's kind of an anomaly too because it a is. lot of people still gave it high scores. <laughs> yeah, but like eventually, past the initial stuff, there was like, oh, something's wrong. Uh -huh. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, look, I probably would have still fallen for it because, you know, the, that one store got it early and we were like, oh, We're suckers. <laughs> of yeah, course. We're, we're, everyone is a sucker for a certain type of game. Yeah. That's just the way it is. And this sucker's still sitting around waiting for that patch. So, <laughs> see you next year, Cyberpunk. Uh, let's see if there's any other 
stuff about this, about uh, how people look at reviews in the chat. In fact, let me take the B-roll down right now, and we'll bring up the chat and take a look at it. Oh, unfortunately, it's not being brought in. I'll have mm. to fix it. Uh, but we can read a couple at least. Uh, for in- Vincent says, Kena's Metacritic is high, but two of the most critical reviews are Polygon and Eurogamer, neither of which is scored. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, that is an ongoing weirdness there, where mm-hmm. like some of the some of the outlets that are most willing to call mainstream and like high, you know high profile stuff call out, out do not the have big scoring. budget games don't have a score, so yeah. they're not held to account for mm-hmm. yeah the actual. You do have to actually read the yeah. the you know you, you got to go past the score the meta score yeah, but they also have kind of a, an escape hatch. True, they can because when you don't put. And there was a big rush there for a long time, Matt, where if, like everyone was like, you don't need numbers on reviews. Mm-hmm. But it, it's providing like an out for the yeah. critic because they don't have to go on the record really with saying exactly numerically right. you, how much they like or dislike it. Well, if you're an outlier there, you don't get death threats for you ruining the, the Metacritic from the fanboys and from the internet mob mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I can see where critics probably like not putting scores on games. But do you think it's as effective for people who are looking to use reviews to buy games? I mean, it depends. I mean, I think scores are silly for the most part in general. And I've, you know, we had, we had difficult, you know, you never know what those scores are translating to because Mm -hmm. like there's a skew on like, you know, we we had problems on uh, X-Play where like Metacritic would continually interpret our three out of five as a 60%, which is not what a three out of five meant on X-Play. Three out of five was a, was middle of the road. It was average. And like, they'd be like, well, 60% is, yeah, but 60% is not average in game reviews, right? Like the an, seventy, is. yeah, seventy or seventy-five. <laughs> right. Like the, you know, basically, <laughs> basically, it's it's yeah. uh, you know, it's grade scoring mm-hmm. from from school yeah. because that was what you know that that I will always maintain that that the seven to eight scale, seven to nine scale happened largely because the audience for game reviews when you know when we were growing up was school kids who thought of anything below a seventy as a failure, and so that's that's where that got skewed. That doesn't happen in a lot of other scored you know a three out of three star. Movie review or two and a half star movie review is not necessarily going to be seen as like a bomb or a, or a slam in a review. It's going to be seen as, um, you know, mediocre. Uh, whereas a two and a half star out of five uh, video game is going to be like, oh, that's, you know, that might be terrible if you translate it to the Metacritic score because we didn't mean it to be like, oh, it's almost a fifty percent. Right. We meant it should be like that, and they wouldn't because numer- numerically that's not what a three out of right. five translates into. They're just looking uh, at the math, basically. Right, but the yeah. math is, you know, it, it, game, reviews are not math. They're not. Like, that yeah. is not what that, you know, the, the score is, I'm like, you know, we would make the argument that score is not, your, your translation of our score is not reflecting what our score means, so you are, that is inaccurate data. Yeah. The math is not the accurate data. What the review says is the accurate data, and you are not representing that properly. And eventually, uh, that was why we were taken off Metacritic because we 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 were tanking Scores, averages yeah. with by and just costing giving people money, and costing people bonuses. Yeah, that's why we did that because it was like we we didn't want to do that <laughs> Crazy. anymore. And so yeah, there's an element of me that that side eyes those those aggregate scores on everything because I'm like I don't know how accurate you're translating whatever you know. If you do anything other than the when the one to ten scale, you are running the risk of having that data translated mathematically rather than in the spirit of what it's how it's meant and god knows what that does to the aggregate score once you're factored in it doesn't matter as much now probably because back in the day you had like 20 outlets being average for the aggregate score now you have like 120 you know it's like yeah. it's uh it's a different game now yeah um one score doesn't you know, i know they weight some of the higher 
profile places a little high, harder mm-hmm. than than in the yeah. Which I was surprised that they admitted to. But. Yeah, it doesn't seem like why why do I why do I care what IGN thinks more, more than, than yeah. you know whatever. But like yeah. and also how do you because somebody like us could be working. Right. I mean, I work on a small outlet now. Right. I've been reviewing you, games for twenty five years. How do you wait? Uh, yeah. Do you also give that extra weight to all the different IGN outlets that all you know IGN Italy and IGN right, France right. and IGN, or is it just or is it IGN just California? IGN yeah. like right. is, the, is the yeah there's the guy who reviews games for IGN. In California, somehow matter more than the right. guy who reviews them in in Paris. Yeah. Like why? That's absurd. They, that I don't know why. They I don't do know that. if that's how they do it or not. But like it's always something no, I wonder admitted about. Admitted that they do that. Yes. But they, do they do it? They do the main outlet more than like. The, oh, I don't know the, about that. The, that's what I mean. Like the satellite oh, okay. IGN. Yeah, stuff. I don't know. Are yeah. they weighted as much as the main IGN? Like no, no location. My guess IGN. would be no. Probably not. I don't know. <laughs> I got. But it's it's, but it's the, absurd. To think that's about. the stuff that I think about when I when I look at those aggregate scores. I'm mm-hmm. like, what is this number you're actually showing me? Yeah, there's some kind of a um, curve in there too for IGN and for Gamespot and these other outlets. Yeah, um, I didn't think we were going to end up talking about that either. during the Death Loop segment. Well, I, actually, I kind of did a little bit, I guess, cause, because because it reviews. is kind of a conundrum. Like, ten out of tens don't come around very often. No, and um, this is one of them. And I think this is also a case where both you and I agree that neither one of us would give it. That type of no, mystery. not even close. There's actually a bunch of good comments from you guys in the chat, yeah. and I do have it hooked up now. I do. So I am emphasizing that I do not think I'm, I don't want to pan this game. I don't think it's bad. It's yeah, just yeah. a not for me, and b I don't find it to be anything particularly special. Yep. Otap um, says numbers are required, even if it's just for fantasy gaming. Ha, funny, because <laughs> we can't do our fantasy league without scores. That's true. Sneaky uh, says, "Why do scores matter? Uh, I just want to know if the game is good and it isn't bugged." That goes back to what someone else was saying: is like, is it not broken? Mm-hmm. Um, um, Bachby says, "Not sure about what that Rotten Tomatoes under seventy might be given a chance to be seen because the price entry isn't the same, but it can affect box office numbers." I'm not sure what he's saying there. Mm. Um, Emperor Dread. I've never trusted IGN since the God Hand six out of ten review. Was it six out of ten? I thought it was three out of ten. I think it was lower than that. I they it was may three have out changed of 10. it later. Yeah. Um, God Hand. I don't think is a great game though. No. I, <laughs> three out of ten, probably not. But I don't think. I think God Hand is one of the most overrated games of its era. It's. I found it to be utterly forgettable. Yeah. And like, there's a couple things in there that would not be in a modern game because they're kind of offensive. Uh, here, I think one Super Master Gamer really has it. Um, multiple reviews and people I trust with their opinion. Um, I think that's really what you need to do, Matt, is you need mm-hmm. to find people that you know you trust. Yeah, IGN was 3 out of 10. Okay, yeah. Uh, for, God, for God Hand. Um, yeah. And it's still there. It's they haven't still changed up. It. They haven't changed that. Yeah. That is low. Uh, imagine, sure. imagine Babies is still outranking uh, <laughs> God Hand. Okay, so anyway, there there you go. That's Deathloop and a, like a 15-minute discussion on reviews and review scores and what they mean and what value there is for those in this day and age. And I think the thing, too, is that things have changed so much in just like the last five or ten years. It's like it's not just me at Game Trailers and like the five guys who worked with me. It's not just Matt at G4, you know, handling reviews for X-Play and shows like that. There are just thousands of people now getting early access to games. It can be hard to sort through it all, I think. Yeah, the signal-to-noise ratio is just off the chart. Yeah, that's that's it, the signal-to-noise ratio. It's really compounded over mm-hmm. the last decade. And so, again, I think really the key is just find people that you trust, you know. At least find people who are consistent. Like, I would hope at this point you would know when you play a game, like, this is a game that Shane's going to like. Or you play a game and you're like, this is a game that Matt Kyle is going to like. 
Um, and then when we talk about games, I think you know whether you should trust what we're saying or not based upon how well you know us already. So I hope there's some value in that. I think there is value in that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've been doing this for 20-some years. I've been I've written reviews, I think, for every publication except IGN at this point. It's the only – I think IGN is the only major publication I've never drawn a paycheck from at this point. Um, and uh, obviously things have changed a lot. There's a lot more people doing it now across mm-hmm. YouTube and Twitch and blah, blah, blah. And I do like how – People have found new kind of angles on how to do the reviews. There's like the live review where people play along and they're like kind of giving it scores as mm-hmm. they go. Like, And I will, I'll also say because Shneaky Solid Snake says, uh, isn't there a chance they get paid off too? No. I have never heard of that happening yeah. in 20 years of doing this. If, if it happens, it does not happen often enough to hear about. I'll be on it. Like back in the day, no. No. Now... I mean, now you got YouTubers maybe who don't disclose whatever. But I think he's talking about IGN and oh, people, people yeah, being yeah. put in the aggregate scores yeah, and see, stuff the like thing, that. If no, you work at a big outlet, there's so no. many people around looking over your shoulder. Like, you know, when people come into my office at Game Trailers with a high, a really high score or a really low score, and we talk about it, mm-hmm. like, I'm looking for that stuff. Like, yeah, we there have been times when people definitely were were suggesting we not run lower scores uh-huh. but I, I can't remember a single time i've ever heard of someone being paid for a higher review score like that's i've not never had thing. anyone come to me and be like you need to change your score no. ever no. ever i've had marketing get really pissed because they had a huge sale with a publisher and then we review it mm-hmm. and we don't give it a great score and then for the next four days the whole site is plastered with marketing for the game mm-hmm. and i've had marketing kind of give me the side eye and be like that sucks and i'm like it does suck for you. It doesn't suck for our users because we're giving them the straight dope on the game, and mm-hmm. they'll appreciate that. And that's why they come back, and that's why we have enough traffic so that you can sell that two hundred and fifty thousand yeah. dollar marketing deal to and, publisher. Yeah. And Sound, Soundboy says IGN might not get paid off, and they get sponsored by the games they review. But the reviewers are completely separate from that. Yeah, that's like to the do with editorial that. has nothing to do with ad sales and branded content. They are completely separate. They're not even the same city. Yeah, like it's not a thing. That oh, when happens. I worked at Gamespot, they couldn't. Their phones physically could not call our phones. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I worked at Game Trailers, I was like the cop. So I would go in marketing meetings with the marketing team, and they would pitch stuff that editorially we shouldn't do, and I'd put the kibosh on it right there in front of the client. I'm like, mm-hmm. we can't do that. That's going to sacrifice our editorial integrity. If we do that, we lose our audience. If we don't have our audience, you're not going to want to market with us. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you're right. We get it. And it's funny, it's funny when you explain it to them, and there's somebody like me there to explain it to them, the customer gets it. They're like, oh, I understand. Mm-hmm. You're right. If people don't trust your reviews, then you don't have an audience for us to even market to. So you basically, you're, you're going to bite your own hand by doing that. You're going to lower your audience, and you're not going to be able to sell page views or pre-rolls to anyone. So... Anyway, it seems like once every two years we go down this rabbit hole. Yeah, <laughs> it's a fun. I think it's a I mean, fun it's discussion. A, it's a it's a constant apparent suspicion, but it is simply not a thing that happened. Yeah. Also, if you're worried about that, and like the irony of that is always to me that like they the people people accuse uh, the major outlets of that, and then often offer up like YouTubers and Twitch streamers as sort of the honest alternative those are the people taking this stuff yeah, those, those are the are people, people who are to... literally they yeah. had to be forced by the fcc to just start disclosing that regularly and they still there's no way to enforce no, there's it. no way to know one way or the there's other no way to know at all like there's no there are no you know a, a twitch streamer generally their only uh their only ethical 
border or, or boundary is themselves. I guarantee you at places like IGN or Polygon or wherever, there's a whole editorial team and someone in that editorial team is not going to be cool with shenanigans. Yeah. Like Here's the my- idea that everyone would be able to willing to go along with that is literally absurd and i can say that because i know a lot of these people like it just doesn't happen well well, here's something to think about how many ign editors game trailers editors GameSpot editors have mansions with lambos in the garage right how many zero yeah where where is all this payout going how do youtubers have literal mansions with like three lambos Mm -hmm. Where's that money coming mm-hmm. from? It's not just from ad revenue, people. No, that's sponsorship. Yeah, it's sponsorship. Big dollar sponsorship. Just something to keep in mind and think about as you go forward mm-hmm. in your life. And we are going to go forward with yeah. Game Face 271 and move on to the next But topic. first, we're going to talk about Freshly. <laughs> <laughs> How perfect would it have been if we had a sponsor right there? We, like, never have sponsors. Yeah. We've had, like, three, like, in five years. Do you have a reliable VPN server? <laughs> And our sponsor is for, like, real estate, usually, right. which is no conflict of interest whatsoever. Those now, the, the PlayStation sponsors. Showcase brought to you by MailChimp. <laughs> yep. That's pretty much how it When's works. When's the last time someone from IGN said that on right. camera? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyway. All right. Let's move on. Uh, I mentioned in the <laughs> open. <laughs> uh, I'm having a good time. It's good to be back, guys. Hopefully, you guys are enjoying the show as well. Um, all right, we're going to move on. This is The next topic is a topic that I feel a little bad about it being in the show because it has been like eight days since it happened, and we try to keep game phase at least within the last seven days, but this was just too big to not include in the show. So we are going to talk about the PlayStation Showcase that happened while I was gone. Probably my biggest regret was not consuming it live because mm-hmm. while I wouldn't have lost my mind like Easy Allies did. Right. I consumed it vaguely live because like people are like, what's this? I'm like, what? Yeah. What happened? It was still I was I was out. Amazing. I went out I was out doing something and then I came back and like um I came back and I was like, why is there why are people talking about Spider Man two? I'm like because <laughs> I thought they were talking about the Raimi movie. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, is right. So we've look, we've been laying into PlayStation this year because it deserves it because there's no games coming out for PlayStation Five really. And then this time there's like it's like here's all the things coming later. Like, yeah, it's, and I mean, now it's, it's, it's like here's all the things coming in March. Yep. Oh my God, March 2022. I'm not even exaggerating, Matt. Maybe the best month for video games ever. Okay, well let's wait until the rest of it all the gets half delayed of them come out, out in, in March 2022. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's definitely gonna yeah. happen. Um, but anyway, I, I would just say this. I wish I got it as excited about anything in my life <laughs> as easy allies yeah. does over like a video game trailer yeah like i want the drugs that they're taking yeah i don't know i don't know i don't i don't, know. I don't, I don't, don't know it's, it. i don't think it's no, fake no i just I where i just wish i had it yeah <laughs> like where do you where does that come from like i don't know i a, a life with very few disappointments i, I guess I, I like i don't know i don't know where where it comes from but i'm definitely do not have it i've never had it i don't know ever in my life i don't know but anyway I was still very excited about this. And like when I got back and started looking, I was like, damn, I missed some freaking mortar shells that were bought, that mm-hmm. were dropped. Sony dropped the bomb, dude. Holy cow. PlayStation Showcase shut me up. Someone who's been talking a little bit of smack about PlayStation this entire year, that yeah. it's an anemic lineup of exclusives. And what did I say? They just don't want to show it yet. Uh, There's stuff. They holy got stuff. Moly. They got things. The PlayStation I things about Marvin's room. delivered and then some, and no, nothing was bigger then God of War Ragnarok. Finally, we got a look at the next God of War. 
coming to both PS4 and PS5. That was finally confirmed mm-hmm. with the PlayStation Showcase. It had been conjecture before that and rumors. It is, in fact, coming to PlayStation 4 and PS5. Matt, can you tell that it's coming to both PS4 and PS5? I don't think so. Like really? This, not really. I mean, I'm sure it'll look amazing. It already looks well, amazing. I mean, we can on see PS4. it right here. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, on my 4K screen running on my PS5, etc. I mean, et I watched it on my 4K TV, all the, the trailer and everything. Yeah, I mean, it's not it, quite the same as a native signal going straight to your, your, your thing. Look, it look, I'm not saying it doesn't look good. It looks amazing. Yeah. But do I think it could have looked better if it was a PlayStation 5 exclusive? Yes, I definitely do. Maybe. Especially some of the stuff we've started seeing here over the last couple months. Like some of these games from Korea that mm-hmm. we're starting to see. Where they're just like, you know what? Screw the PS4. This is all next gen. Yeah, I mean, some of the, like, it I don't think... It looks just like... To me, it looks pretty much just like God of War 2018. Nah, it looks better than that. Does it? Yeah, the lighting is definitely different. The, the it, you, can, you can tell that there's there's more happening here. It's not going to look this good on the, on the PS4. It's going to look good, obviously. Uh, and I know there's the big scandal over the fact that the getting in the boat animation is the same. It's just like, mm-hmm. okay, people. I mean, I don't care about stuff like no. that. No, it's like, why would why would Kratos get in a boat different, like, right. three yeah. days later? I mean, that's, like, that's silly. Yeah. I'm just talking, like, technically. Like, how many I polygons is pushing? Like, I don't think that's an issue. I, I don't find that to be an issue. Like, it's it looks good. I mean, it looks great. I'm, not, I'm just saying that I wish it were a PS5 exclusive because I think it would look better. Eh, I thought you were gameplay first. I am gameplay first, but I'm, I still care about graphics. Yeah, but the graphics look great. Yeah. I'm, I'm not worried about some hypothetical, better graphical whatever. Yeah, I, Matt, I, I just remember when I played God of War 2018, it was the best-looking game on the PS4. Yeah. This and, is not going to be the best-looking game on PS5. What will? Well, we're going to talk about it here in about mm. five minutes as we start going through all these awesome games that Sony showed, like Spider-Man 2, for example, which is... PS5 exclusive mm-hmm. and looks so good that people thought it was CG. Right. Uh, Nobody sp- said that about this game. No, but Spider-Man 2 is also well, two years away. Two years away, yeah. and there's not as much happening detail-wise in the environments in that. That's like, true. That's just a building. This is buildings. This is doing a lot with the landscape. That's true. Um, there's, there's a, a lot, lot more, more detail. Space, a lot more detail. Um, even on, you know, I mean, it's not like Spider-Man's costumes are are undetailed, yeah. but look, just look at all the stuff happening just on Kratos alone. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a lot there, and uh, that's a great shot. It really that is. Was really yeah. cool. Well, everyone thought he was dead. Yeah, and he's not. He's like, nope. I mean, this trailer reveals a lot. Yeah, let's, let's mean, start you, going through some. You of really, it. you really get a sense of the shape of what what the game's going to be. Yep, it picks up right after God of War 2018, mm-hmm. after Kratos defeats Balder. He arrives at Jutenheim with his with Atreus, who's now like three years older. It appears mm-hmm. roughly. He's like a tween now. He's not a little a little boy. Uh, they they show up there to scatter Faye's ashes. Um, however, it turns out that Faye was actually a giant called Luffy. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, Luffy or Luffy, depending on who who you ask. Which means that Atreus is actually half god and half giant. Mm-hmm. So that little boy, he is going to turn into a beast eventually. A very specific beast. Right, a very specific beast. But Freya, who was kind of your ally in the last game, now hates you. Mm-hmm. Um, because you killed her son, Balder, yeah. at the end of the game. And not only does she hate you, Thor also hates you. And they both want mm-hmm. revenge because you killed his sons. And Balder, by the way, was his half-brother. Mm-hmm. So basically, everything that you did in God of War 2018, Thor and and Rhea are trying to get retribution for, revenge yeah. for. Which is this is all this is all very accurate to Freya. Freya, uh, this is all accurate to you know the broad strokes of the Ragnarok myth yep. as well, like the death of Balder uh, at the hands of 
a particular character and uh, everybody wants revenge and it unleashes a bunch of stuff and you're going to be fighting a giant wolf at some point. I'm, I'm, I'm promised Fenrir is in here. Um, well, you got, you got sled dogs. You yeah. have a sled that you get around with. So Pretty yeah, cool there's, there's a around. lot happening here. Uh, Corey Barlog did say that this is the end of the Norse saga. He's not directing the game. No. Does that concern you at all? No, because he seems to still be pretty involved. Yeah, um, and clear- the guy who's directing it has been working on the series forever. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a. I do like Thor as like a gunslinger. With yeah, the, what's with his the, line the in this? Are you a calm and reasonable person? Yeah, because I am. <laughs> That's a great line. Um, and- I also enjoy the the controversy over Thor. Has been flying around because he's not Cause he's, like cause he's, Marvel Thor. You know, well, no, because he's he's. Well, they say he's fat, but really he's like. He's a big, strong guy. Like, yeah. like that's what a big, you know, big, strong men look like. They're, they're huge men. You know, they're they're yeah. not have six pack, six pack abs. Yeah. They have a foundation. Right. Um, also, that's why I'm going to start calling my belly yeah. my foundation. Um, that in in you know old Japan, like samurai having that body type was considered like really attractive. Because oh really? That, a it meant you could have food to eat. Well, women and B, too. It, yeah, and B it meant you had that ground. You you had to create. create You're like healthy. A, you were healthy, but also you had to create like a strong center of gravity to sword fight. Like Wasn't it, was, it the it Renaissance was, where portly women were yeah, considered that was, that attractive? Was more, yeah, the, the idea of being rail thin, being the ideal of beauty, is actually a fairly recent thing. It yeah. came around with the, t- the abundance of food, particularly carbohydrate and sugar food, that made people fat. And so for a while, being fat was a sign of success. Right, because it meant that you could eat as much as you wanted. Yeah. Yep. It's um, interesting. The society will always be attracted to the thing that's hard to get. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, and yeah, yeah, like and Thor. I mean, that was also what Thor looks like in the myths, like right. in the old myths, like that. He's, yeah, a, he's not... a big, huge dude who drinks and eats whole goats. Like right. he's, he's, <laughs> he does not look like Chris Hemsworth. Also, in the original yeah. myths, the the Mjolnir is is small, and he rubs it, and it gets bigger. Oh, so you can you can interpret that. that metaphor however you like, <laughs> however you want. Uh, so the setup for this game for God of War Ragnarok. Ragnarok is approaching. Uh, the world is starting to freeze. Thus, the sled dogs. Um, Atreus is his abilities are starting to mm-hmm. become more potent. He has new runic summons. They show in one clip him riding like this celestial like deer, um, and he had those abilities in the last game. But it looks like they're a lot more robust this time. Um, one of the new abilities that they showed for Kratos is the ability to grapple to ledges. But it appears there's still no jump. How do mm-hmm. you feel about that? I didn't really miss it. I didn't either. So. But a lot of God of War fans are. I mean, it's not a God. Of, it's not that kind of God of War game. I know. I, I was fine with not having the jump. The uh, same way I'm not. I'm fine not having the jump in uh, Zelda. Yeah, but instead they gave you the ability to grapple to yeah. ledges, which That'll should work. help with traversal a lot. Um, or at least opens up a lot of new avenues for that. Yeah. Uh, they didn't announce a release date for this, though, did they? Nah, still not. Just next just year. Just next as far as year. I know. I mean, based upon everything that's coming Q1. Yeah, I'm guessing this is this your is, holiday. This is your holiday Q4. bomb. Yeah. yeah. And I'm totally cool with that. Yeah, for sure. Give them as much time as they want to polish this up. Um, I was a little surprised that they Looks didn't like show. Looks like a good winter game. Yeah, it is. I was a little surprised they didn't show more advanced combat stuff, like mm-hmm. changes from the last game. Well, you got to leave something for the you next do. year. I mean, I mean yeah, you're right. you got a year of hype to build they here. Do. So. They have a whole year of marketing to get through still, so they're saving some stuff, I'm sure. Uh, they did show some new shields and some stuff mm-hmm. like that, but mostly the combat, most of the stuff is stuff that we see we saw in the 2018 game. Yeah, just expansions on the the the, bla- the chaos blades and yeah. his axe. Yeah, and the chaos um, blades they show some shots where he doesn't have them. Mm-hmm. So I'm wonder, wondering if he like ditches them again. Maybe. And I then, mean, he's not a fan. 
Right. So. Yeah, well, he hit them in yeah. the last game. They were hidden in, like, the subboards of his house or whatever. Yeah, you have to, they, like, uncover them late in the game. Yeah, they represent... And don't a, give me any crap about spoilers. This game is three years three old years now. Three years old, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, they're on not on his back for most of this trailer. So mm-hmm. there's certainly something going on there. It looks like Atreus is going to be a much bigger part of this, just in general. Oh, yeah. Are well, you cool with that? Yeah, I mean, fine. he was fine. Yeah. And, and, like, the way the first game ended, like, yeah, he's clearly the central question of mm-hmm. this game because he he is he, he has a traditionally large role to play in Ragnarok and I imagine Kratos is not super thrilled by that not that Kratos knows the Ragnarok myth but like yeah the the myth indicates that Atreus will need to do some things that Kratos would definitely not approve of and there's already in this trailer the conflict of Kratos being the father and there's mm-hmm. one scene where he says you need to be a general and not a father and Kratos bristles at that um, so that same dynamic Boy. between right the same dynamic between father and son is going to be there, which I really loved about the last one. Um, it's looking great. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel like it's kind of like God of War 1.5 in some ways. Um, yeah, but that's okay when it's God of War is one of the best things around. It is, and I I do hope that I don't we need get you to another re- one. Before. I don't need you to break the wheel and remake it every time. Yeah, yeah. But I do hope that before the end of the PlayStation 5, we do get another one that's built just for I think we will. And I think, uh, you know, it'll be a different pantheon. Egypt, please. Um, Although that's probably going backwards. I don't know know why Egypt would show up in the middle of the the Dark Ages. Yep. Um, I don't know. Just have him fight Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Just get it over with. (laughs) Get over with. Just get on with it. Yep. Okay, we need to move on to the next game from this amazing PlayStation Showcase. And that is Marvel's Wolverine. Also, by the way, God of War 2018 coming to PC. We should mention that before we move mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Next up, Marvel's Wolverine from Insomniac. This yep. was a shocker. Yeah, this was like, Insomniac, calm down. What are you doing? Like, just, just cranking out. How many, what is that, going to be like five games in the face of know, four dude. years? Is there a better investment than what Sony spent on Insomniac? No. There isn't. It's, wow. Getting their money's worth. And then also, some. if you need more proof... That the X Men are coming to the MCU, right? There you the, go. Uh, the the doing a Wolverine game, yeah. And that, who knows? I mean, this is probably going to be 2024, 2025. Yeah. But like, the fact that this is even in process and it looks like it's probably going to be M rated. Yeah. Well, um, they, they, I don't know if it's going to be M rated, but they did say it was going to be edgy. And I think it dark. will. You've already you've already have red blood in this trailer, and it and it had an age gate, and Spider Man Two did not. Okay. So I think That's this thing. I think this is going to be an M. Okay. That's a good sign. Uh, when do you think 24, 2024? I think it's definitely after Spider-Man 2. Have this you is heard super any, early. Have you heard any rumblings about this from just you being interested nope. in the other MCU stuff? Nope. No. This so, is a, this was a complete surprise to me. I had okay. no idea any of the, No idea this was happening. Okay. Um, but they did say early days, so I'm thinking this is 2024 at the earliest, which should sync up to about the time they're going to start pushing X-Men ideas for the movies. Okay. So we'll see. That I do as I understand it an X-Men a major X-Men character will be popping up in Doctor Strange 2. Oh. At least briefly. Okay. So we're going to we're going to start seeing some stuff moving forward with this. And of course Phase 4 ends with Fantastic 4. Right. So uh who knows? Like this it's a it's a it's an exciting time for Phase for yeah. for the MCU which you wouldn't think you'd be able to say right after they finished their big storyline, but they're taking it places. Yep. Shang-Chi, uh, Shang-Chi was great. Yeah. Next up, Gran Turismo 7. The announced release date for that, March 4th, 2022. Um, did Are you any more interested in this no. after this trailer? No. I'm, no? I never need to play a Gran Turismo game again. Yeah. I'm fine. What I discovered from this... Everybody else can do what they like with it, but I, I don't... 
What I discovered as far as fans are concerned with this trailer is that it teases all kinds of old elements of Gran Turismo games that have Mm -hmm. disappeared over the years and are being reintroduced for Gran Turismo 7. Um, We also got a ton of details about it. There's going to be 420 cars at launch. License tests are going to be there. The used car lot from Gran Turismo 4 is going to return. Um, The Gran Turismo Cafe is like this new feature that's like side quests where you collect groups of cars and then use those groups of cars in races to get more cars for the group. Um, There's more customization options. There's dynamic time and weather system using data from NASA. And then one of the more popular features from the last GT is the photo mode. And there are going to be 3,000 scenes for the photo mode. Hmm. Do you remember that from the last game? Yeah. How you just park the car in front of, like, the beach or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's going to be 3,000 different scenes for photo mode. But I'm I'm there with you, Matt. Like, I... I don't know what it's going to take to really reinvigorate my interest in Gran Turismo. And look, people hate us when we talk about this. There are yeah, a lot of Gran Turismo fans out there. Sure, go ahead. Like, just I, don't make me play it. Yeah, it, it does look great. Oh, it looks amazing. But it's like I. It also Gran Turismo has always been sterile and just kind of blah to me. Yeah, and I would rather play Forza. Yep, a lot of people disagree with us on that, but. I'm sticking to my guns on that one. Yeah, well, I didn't grow up with Sony. I grew up with stuff before Sony, and I don't yeah. have any particular loyalty to this series. I don't either. So yeah. I have chosen the one that appeals more to me. Suck it. <laughs> I like it. Uh, but I will say this. It looks good. Gran Turismo 7 looks good. So yeah, if, looks if you gorgeous. are a GT fan, I think you're going to be stuck. I only have so much room in my life for, uh, for games where I drive imaginary cars yeah. uh, around you know, real-life tracks, and uh, I... If I decide to do that, I will probably do it in Forza Motorsport, whatever it is, eight. Or whatever my biggest is. one of my one of the biggest turnoffs for me with Gran Turismo is the grinding that's involved. Yeah, the credits that you need to buy cars is something. It's just insane. Oh yeah, and the instant you say license test to me, I was uh, like, mm, I, I mean, remember a lot that. Of people bristle. At I didn't that, miss that, but a lot of people love them. That's sure. kind of one of the key elements of Gran Turismo, and they are welcome to them. Yep, but I am going to be over on Forza, <laughs> where they just like shower you with cars. And let you play the damn and game. And let you pick which ones you want to drive. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'd like the unlocks way better. Um, I like the atmosphere and the tone way better in Forza. So, so yeah. Uh, next up, as we mentioned, Marvel's Spider-Man 2. This is a trailer that people were like, oh, that's CG. And as it turns out, it is, this is not. This is running in real time on PlayStation 5 mm-hmm. hardware. But you can tell from some of the smoke there. You like can. It, like it is real. But, there are real-time telltale signals. Dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but damn, dude. No question. Like, what are we going to see in, like, three years on these consoles? Yeah. And I also just want to say, Tony Todd as Venom, uh, you know, Candyman. Yep. Uh, genius casting. Venom plays Flawless a big part. Flawless casting. Venom plays a big part in this. We don't know whether he's friend or foe yet, though. We will see. Yeah. What do uh, you think? The, probably both ways. I mean, yeah. he's probably going to start as a foe and, and kind become of become ally by the somewhat, end. Not ally, but, like, there's going to be some misunderstandings. Also because, you know, the, the, the trailer is setting up the two major villains, which is Venom and Craven. Because um, you're supposed to think it's Craven, it's going to come out of the shadows there because he's mm-hmm. the one narrating this. Yeah, uh, and then Venom pops out, and you're like, oh, because Venom was teased at the end of the first game. Uh, like that is that was definitely, you know, where they're going with this. Mm-hmm. Um, Craven being brought in probably by uh, probably by Jonah, I would think. Like that that tends to be a mm-hmm. uh, a thing. Um, it's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting me- mesh of like Craven is basically like kind of a peak human sort of like. You know, he's a guy. He's just a really good hunter, basically. Whereas Venom is is the kind of the pinnacle of like weird uh, at this point in Spider-Man's layout. Because the first game was kind of about 
um, spi- there's spider villains arising who were beyond just the normal sort of like tech science villains. You know, mm-hmm. like he'd fought the Rhino, he'd fought Electro, he'd fought you know he'd fought um, you know he knew about all these guys, but like people like Doc Ock, like that was a different level. You know, he was starting to have things working on a different level. You know, people that were close to you know Doc Ock was one of his his friends and mentors, like. The, the 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 first Insomniac Spider-Man game was kind of about being Spider-Man getting personal for mm-hmm. for Peter. I didn't realize um, that the um, the animatronic legs were actually in the prior Spider-Man game. I don't know how I never got to use them. Hmm? Like those crazy animatronic legs that Spider-Man has in this trailer. Like oh the the, the Iron Spider stuff. Yeah, yeah they were in uh, one of the suits. Had you had them. to have like one specific suit. Yeah, I the guess Iron, I never got yeah, it. Yeah, the Iron Spider suit from uh, from Infinity War. Yeah, I guess them. I never got yeah. it. So I didn't know that. But it's making a return here. Um, it is single player only, despite the fact mm-hmm. that both Miles and Peter Parker are in the game. Um, however, it is set after Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. Um, Miles has new electric venom powers, which he did have in the prior game, but he has new ones. Um, the Hand is supposed to be the big bad organization in this Ninjas, one. Yeah. Do you think that's accurate? Eh, maybe. I mean, yeah. the Hand is a is a big deal uh, in in the kind of the street level stuff. Um, I also expect to see them pop up uh, in upcoming. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of this does sort of tie in with what might be happening in in the other media. Um, might also oppor- give an opportunity to bring Daredevil in because mm-hmm. Daredevil is very identified with that stuff. Um, also, the hand has a mystical element, which would kind of you know match well with like you know Craven being the being sort of a, a peak human using tech thing. Uh, Venom is sort of a you know he's he's a science thing gone wrong in this. He's not an alien costume so much, but who knows where they're going to go with the symbiote thing? And you've got mystical ninjas running around. Like it, it provides kind of, you know. The first game did kind of like have a bunch of different things running parallel, mm-hmm. so uh, I could see those as sort of feeling different enough to sort of com- complement each other. Um, certainly, certainly in the way that like in the first game, you knew when you're fighting like, you know, escapee thugs versus like uh, Silver Sable's people versus right. you know, and like with this, um, uh, I can see you know if you're fighting like little symbiote monsters versus fighting like uh you know Craven's Craven's guys and you know maybe you'll be punching tigers or something who knows uh versus fighting <laughs> versus fighting like magic ninjas like that's going to be very different fights so yeah. I can see that being being an element okay I just um, hope you don't make me sneak around quite slowly with uh, non superhero characters too much cuz uh going back to the first Spider-Man it really the the game does bog down a bit on the Mary Jane and Miles sequences Agreed. where you're just sort of walking through areas and yeah. sneaking around um, Miles, they seem to have learned their lesson on that because Miles Morales doesn't have any of that. Uh, so we'll see. But yep. Um, also wondering if they'll bring Gwen Stacy in. Okay. Uh, as a testament to how massive this event was for PlayStation, this next game would have brought down the house in any other event. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of a side note in this one, and that is a remake of KOTOR, mm-hmm. Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic. Being And here's the crazy part. It's being remade for PS5 and PC. Remember, it was an Xbox exclusive at one time. Console, yeah. And EA and Bioware have nothing to do with it. No, this is How a, does that work? It's Aspire. Aspire yeah, has... Aspire. Uh, that makes me a little nervous. I mean, they did the, the updates of KOTOR 1 and 2 yeah. recently. Like, they know what they're doing. It's different, though, I think. What? Like building a brand new game from scratch versus updating something. It's that not exists. like the people at Bioware built Kotor. Yeah, those people are gone. Yeah, so might as well. How did that happen though? How did EA and Bioware lose any sort of control over? They don't own that game. Lucasfilm Who owns does. It? Lucasfilm. Oh, okay. So Lucas 
kept Luca, ownership Lucasfilm of Lucasfilm can do whatever the hell they want with their Star Wars games, yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. I figured that EA had some kind of ownership no. over it. No. no Lu- as far as I know, Lucas was always very particular about, like, you make you, you this is work for hire. You are making this for us. Okay. Um, I don't know what the deal is with, like, the EA stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, like, mm, yeah. Uh, certainly, if you're doing a remake, I would imagine that they don't have, you know, if you're re-releasing the original game, I think you probably do. It's at least simpler, probably, to go through EA than pay right. them off for it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to remake it, I don't think they have any claim to that okay. IP at all. Like, you, you can have whoever you want make a remake of KOTOR. It is interesting that it's going to be a PlayStation exclusive after well, it, Sony's, it was uh, an Xbox Well, exclusive. Sony's uh, funding some of it. Right. So, it's... Yep. Uh, Real interesting. Like, there's a lot, you know, it seems to be very pretty early days, um, I would yeah, imagine. Yeah, they're saying, like, they said it's a long ways off. Yeah. However, 2023 would be the 20th anniversary of KOTOR. Yep, I think that it would be their target. It seems like it makes sense, but I, they're I would, just getting started now. I don't know. They're not getting started. They've done a lot of pre, pre-production okay. stuff on it. So, I mean, they okay. might be just getting started on full full tilt production. Uh, but they have definitely been spending the time, even when they were remake, you know, remastering the first two games, the original two games, uh, thinking about, you know, they said in an interview, like they're thinking about what makes it KOTOR, what do people want from it, what, what would an update look like? Oh, yeah. I do think the combat will be substantially, yeah, substantially different. I think you are going to, at the very least, be looking at something that's um, uh, something akin to how Dragon Age Inquisition plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not full action, but like less turn, less turn-based with real time with pause and more like action with choices to be made kind of mm-hmm. thing you know what I mean no thing we got um, by the way is 17 seconds just a yeah. teaser trailer I mean I think th- I think this makes a lot of sense to believe they are targeting it for like late 2023 yeah which might slip to 2024 mm-hmm. um, but that would be my guess okay um, at any rate uh, awesome great yeah uh, currently they're saying it's it still a shocker currently they're saying it's still not canon uh, really a new canon however that would make it the first that would make it the first new product put out under the Disney era that is not canon, that is not leg- labeled with the Legends hmm. sub-brand. Okay. The, and also, they, uh, several of the animated things, including Rebels and, uh, the Man- and the Mandalorian to some degree is not animated, but like, they have referenced stuff that happened in the KOTOR games and the lore surrounding KOTOR. Like, they're not canon, but they might as well be. And in fact, um, I hate to bring up Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in the backstory, in the visual guide and stuff, um, the Emperor has a bunch of Sith legions that are all named after ancient Sith lords, and there is a Revan mm. legion. So Revan They're is canon. They're trying to work it in. They'll get there. I mean, there's a yeah. there's a, long, a couple years left before they need to make that call or not, and it would not surprise me at all if right before it's like, yes, we are recanonizing the events of, of Revan and KOTOR and everything. Okay. Uh, next that would be up. my guess. Next up, a game that actually has been shown before, but it just kind of reemerged in this event. It's a game called Project Eve. It looks pretty darn good. It it appears to me to be like a Bayonetta DMC-like clone. Um, it is interesting that they showed this, though, because it is coming to all platforms. It's not a PlayStation console exclusive. I don't know if they've locked down a timed exclusive on it, maybe, on console. I don't know. But it is interesting that they... I didn't even remember this was a thing. Yeah. There's already been a couple trailers for it, but... They kind of went under the radar. Obviously, when something like this appears in a PlayStation event, it's going to be shoved to the forefront. People are going to start paying attention to it. Um, but, yeah, I don't think that there's actually a console exclusive on this at all. Maybe Sony was just like, we need to show that some of the third-party stuff that people are that looks good is also coming to our platform. Uh, but I think that mission has been accomplished by the actual third parties anyway. 
Um, but we haven't really got like an over the top hack and slash Bayonetta like for quite a while. No, I mean Bayonetta three is what like six years late at this point. Yeah, yeah. What's up with that game? Who knows? What is going on with that game? I don't know. The 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 woman who voices Bayonetta implied on Twitter that she isn't voicing her in this. What? Yeah. You think it's canceled? I don't know. I mean, I know recently Platinum said it wasn't. Yeah. But Matt. It was announced before the Switch, before came, the Switch out, came out. Yeah, and the Switch is about ready to get sent out to yeah. the past. It's kind of it's kind of like the last thing left. Uh, yeah. Now that when Shin Megami Tensei comes What's out, like, <laughs> we find you know, the only thing left from that initial. Pre- oh well, no, actually, Metroid Prime Four. Right, was also in that. Or at least we have an explanation for. I that. hope you didn't buy anything for, buy the Switch for the stuff you saw in that presentation <laughs> because wow, you're still waiting. You're gonna be waiting for the next one. It is crazy. This looks pretty good though. Um, I was pleasantly surprised by this game. Yeah, uh, but again, it is multi-platform. Um. But it is filling a niche yeah. that it does feel like something that would be on PlayStation. Yeah, you know, it looks. You know, How long has it been since the last Devil May Cry at this point? Three years? Two years? I want to say three years. Three, three years? years? Yeah. Beginning? What was it? Beginning of twenty nineteen? Sounds about right. For five? Yeah. So I guess about. And they two did years. like a re. You know, they did the next gen yeah. updates. And so, yeah. Yep. So it sounds about like two years, but we're due. Two three and years. If we're not going to get the next Bayonetta for Switch, then this looks like it could fill the void nicely. Next up, a game that I've been confused about for quite a while, but this trailer made it much more clear about what's going on. It is a game called Forspoken. It was called Project Athia at first before they finally Mm -hmm. gave it the full title. It's a Square Enix game. It is being developed by Luminous Productions, which will make you very happy, Matt, because Mm -hmm. do you know what that team is? It's being written by Amy Hennig. Well, that's the part you'll like, but Mm -hmm. I was being facetious because the the game was actually being developed by the Final Fantasy XV team. Uh Uh-oh. And I know how much you love that game, so... Just wanted to put it on your radar. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, being written by someone who knows how words work will yeah. probably help it. Like, I like what I see here. Although it looks like, it, part of the reason I like what I see is it looks like a spiritual successor to Infamous. It, you know what it reminds me of a little bit is DMC, Devil May Cry. Mm-hmm. The the one that was made by Ninja Theory. Yeah. Because you have, like, this hipster dude who kind of, he has, like, headphones and, like, he's kind of from present day. And he gets transported to this strange yeah. world yeah it's an isekai and this is this yeah exactly mm. that's that's a phrase for it in japan and that's what this is you're this girl who lives in like brooklyn mm. who gets with a really excellently modeled cat and i'd like to know who's taking care of the cat while she's in the fantasy world <laughs> yeah she's transported from new york city to the nightmarish fantasy world of athia uh and her task while she's there is to eliminate um, mm-hmm. the all-powerful matriarchs yeah. known she as has, the Tauntas. She has ended up with Shang-Chi's ten rings somehow on yeah. her arm, <laughs> and uh, they let her do uh, magic stuff. Yeah, well, she... the So her bracelet is an actual character. Yeah, he's Jarvis. Named... No, he's named Cuff. Yeah, but he t- sounds like Jarvis. Right, right. He's basically Jarvis from Iron Man. Like that's, <laughs> the, the inspirations are not subtle in this uh, so far. I mean, isn't that kind of Japanese development in a nutshell right now? Sort of, but like... I don't know. I mean, I, I think this looks cool. Like, I, I'm, I'm I, I definitely interested in I'm pleasantly it. surprised by this game. Um, it looks already better than Final Fantasy XV to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've had, the I've, combat I've had alone, dental appointments that look better than that to me. The combat, the setting is just all way more interesting than Final Fantasy XV. Uh, but as I said, you do have a bracelet named Cuff as your companion, and it talks to you. Mm-hmm. It provides kind of the commentary while you play through it, which... We got that, and it takes two, and it was not a good thing. But in, in this game, hopefully it is. Um, as you can see, there's lots of platforming, parkour. There's a little bit of Spider-Man tossed in there. And as Matt alluded to a couple minutes ago, it is being worked on by Gary Whitta mm-hmm. and Amy Hennig. 
So there's some pedigrees getting piled in here. At least the story and the writing yeah. and the storytelling should be pretty good. Mm-hmm. And it looks like the action's not too bad either. I'm no. not going to just assume that's the case, though, because I played Final Fantasy 15. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna, that that looked like it might play yeah, well. Yeah, it looked, looked interesting. You're going to need to put that in my it. hands. But, uh, <laughs> and then you played it. So, yeah, I have some hope for this. I think it looks pretty good. Yeah. Um, it definitely looks unique. There's nothing else like it on the market. That This is also coming in spring of 2022. Yeah, this is way further along than I thought it was. Spring 20, Dude, next spring is just going to be a smorgasbord of awesome. And you're right. A lot of this stuff is end up going to get delayed till Q3, Q4. Some of it may end up going all the way to 2023. But right now, there's a very good chance that the early part of next year could be one of the best quarters, I think, in the history of gaming. Mm -hmm. Um, And then next up, another big surprise, Alan Wake Remastered, although maybe it wasn't that big of a surprise. There have been rumors floating around. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty obvious. Alan Wake stuff for a while now. Um, Do you think this is a smart project? I don't know. Like, I'm interested because I like Alan Wake, but... uh... In terms of like you know investment potential, like I don't know, I I, I feel like you might be, you know, just trying to get blood from a stone on this, but I'm not going to argue with it. I'll play it. Yeah, it still doesn't look that good to me. No, um, <laughs> like visually. I mean, it's remastered, yeah. not, not remade, but yeah, that it's, a good, it's a good story. Like it's, it's it's. I know Vincent tackled this for I believe Game Pass or Fail not long ago. He was not impressed. Mm-hmm. With Alan Wake, yeah, I in wouldn't. I, I wouldn't be super willing to go back to it at this point. Like the, the standard version, I don't know. Um, I mean, this I like I like seeing me. it kind of pop up in Control as like DLC and I like the yeah. references to it and stuff. I don't. I, it. I like that it's not dead. Yeah. The IP, but yeah. playing the original again, I don't know. If yeah, it, this feels like a bit of a test balloon that may be doomed to not result in another project. Yeah, but mm, yeah, that might be all they got budget for. Yeah. Or, or that anyone's willing to take a risk on. It could be. Um, and then a big disappointment because the best-selling, what was going to be the best-selling game of Q4 <laughs> is now pushed into next year, and that is Grand Theft Auto V Next Gen. Mm-hmm. What the hell does Rockstar do? <laughs> what does it do? It's one of the questions on Pactor Factor in the last week is like, where are the new games from Rockstar? It is like giving up developing new games. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it couldn't peel itself away from GTA Online long enough to get the next-gen version done for the holidays? Nope. They, what it, the? Look, that money's not going to count itself. <laughs> so you're going to need to be patient. It's insane, Matt. Can you think of another studio that's done this? I mean, Pactor brought up a good point. Back in, like, the PlayStation 2 era, Rockstar was released, like, 13 games in, like, a two- or three-year span. Yeah, that's true. Think about that. When what, they would just release I, things like like the ping pong game, yeah, and like you're just like, what was just that? Just because, because they had teams. What are these teams doing? They can't all be making hats for Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> like they can't. I I don't know what's going on there. It's insane. It's completely insane. Like I even talked to my uh, my my worm at 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 Rockstar when I was home over the over my vacation, and he has no idea either. So. Hmm. He's like, I don't know. He's like, they haven't called me for work for a long time. And I was like, yeah, I'm not surprised because they aren't working on anything. There's nothing to do. It's crazy, dude. But anyway, GTA V for PS5 and Xbox Series. And was this version coming to PC too? I'm guessing it was. I think it was everything, yeah. Yeah. Delayed until next year. Um, Also, to March 2022. You'll just have to make do with the uh, trilogy collection, I guess. Dude, March 2022. Which they still haven't admitted is a thing. 
even if half the things that are scheduled for March 2022 don't come out in that month, it's still going to be insane. Mm -hmm. This is just one platform we're talking about here. Think about what's going to happen on Switch and what's going to happen on Xbox and PC, and it's nuts, dude. It's going to be awesome. Next up, a game that I am just struggling to find interest in, Ghostwire Tokyo. This, Mm -hmm. by the way, is a Bethesda game. That's a PlayStation exclusive. Another one mm. that Xbox and Microsoft has had to sit back and watch its company release a second exclusive, console exclusive, for PlayStation. Mm. I mean, those deals were in place and yeah, all. And obviously, part Xbox of the deal. knew before it bought Bethesda. But <laughs> and probably wow. is just like, it's fine. They won't sell anything. Don't you find it odd, though, that Bethesda was doing all this exclusive work for PlayStation and PlayStation didn't buy Bethesda. Instead, Xbox bought Bethesda. I think Xbox was just had the money to move faster on I it. I guess. It's I mean, really certainly, the, we, you know, we know that they were at least in some kind of negotiation to do some sort of exclusive deal for um, Starfield. Yeah. Uh, that obviously did not happen because mm-hmm. of the purchase. Um, Sony was clearly interested in some way. Maybe they didn't have the capital to throw $4 billion at this thing. You mm-hmm. know? Um, but Microsoft does. Yeah. So that's, pr- that's probably the, the main... The, the main deciding factor there was just Microsoft could afford it. Does this game interest you at all? Not really. I mean, it just looks pretty generic, you know, Japanese demon stuff. Um, although, like, the, the realistic art style kind of it makes me interested. I, I don't know. Like, I need to see more of it, I guess. I'm getting, like, a Death Stranding vibe off of this game. A little bit. I, <laughs> you know what it keeps reminding me of just because of the first-person perspective is Breakdown. You remember that game? Yeah. The Xbox launch, game, yeah, or close to launch. It was it was up there, yeah, pretty early. But it was like, yeah. it was one of the first. first it was Namco. It was like one of the first, like, oh, Japanese developers are making Xbox exclusives, kind of yeah. thing. Um, it was also pretty a good. First person action game. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, uh, I, I think I finished it. Pleasantly surprised by yeah. the game back in the day. So I kind yeah. I kind of think of that when I see the the, okay. the little gameplay clips of here, which is not a negative thing. But I also sort of I don't know. I think of that and I think of like Mock and X mm-hmm. and like stuff like that, like the, like the supernatural first person stuff. Yeah. Um, and I don't really know. You know, it could go a bunch of different ways there. It really could. <laughs> it's also, I think it's been delayed once or twice already. Yeah. Um, but it is being developed by Mikami Studio, Tango. Yeah. So maybe it'll be. I maybe. Like, I, I'm, I'll give it a shot. I'll yeah, give it a chance. Of but like, yeah, I don't really know. I kind of agree that I don't really know what to think just by looking at this. Footage. They haven't really explained it all that well either so far. No. It's like people are being possessed on the streets of Tokyo. This is very Death Stranding. Oh, yeah. These, uh, these, uh, <laughs> these it's probably just because of the, the lighting. But, but like, even like the seat where he punches him and the black flies out of his bag. There's a headless schoolgirl with an act, with a sword. I don't know what the hell's going eh, on. That's Tuesday. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the final announcement, which one of the smaller ones, but still a fairly big deal. Um, Uncharted Legacy of Thieves Collection. It's also coming in early 2022. To PS5 and, and PC. So Uncharted is finally coming to PC, but it's not the whole collection. It's Uncharted 4 plus the Lost mm-hmm. Legacy expand alone, I think is what most people are calling it. Yeah. Um, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think a lot of people are expecting to get more Uncharted for PC than just. Yeah, I think people were, I think people were expecting the original three more than they were expecting four and Legacy. Right. Yeah, is it better that they're getting the new latest one? Probably. Maybe. I mean, I, I mean, you I don't, like I, it, I don't though, think so. Right? I don't. I don't like yeah. four. I like Lost Legacy, but uh-huh. I would certainly. You know, I'm not going to buy that on PC. I will probably buy the collection on PS5 just to have them on all on the same console. Yeah. Um. Sure. 
I think that, I like all those games for the most part, except four. I mean, and four. I like, them all. like I don't. Di- I, I mean, I don't like their four for a, num- a number of reasons. I think. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if one holds up that well anymore. I've played, but I have played one like five times. Yeah, so it's back like, then. And now, recent. I mean, the most recent was definitely on PS4. Oh yeah. When they did that Uncharted collection mm-hmm. for that, like I, yeah. I, I replay one and two pretty every few years, really. Two. I mean, again, for its time, still yeah. just amazing. Oh yeah, that train sequence is still one of the most impressive things that anyone's ever done. Yeah. Certainly for the time, and uh, I will say two is too, they're all a little too long. Yeah. Especially on a replay. Because again, because the gameplay isn't that. Yeah, great. they run out of stuff to show you. <laughs> yeah. And at a certain point, it's just like, okay, another bunch of under 10 guys going to run out and duck behind the ha- you know, waist-high walls, and now i got to wait for the head to come. You know, yep. i got to remember how the headshots work in this Clanging game because they don't work quite the way you think. Clanging bullets only holds on yeah, for ping, so long. Yeah. <laughs> it is rewarding at first, yeah, that, but it doesn't last There long. is a point, a point in that, those games where I'm just like, I'm just running at you, and I'm just going to do the combo, and you're all going to die. Like, Shneaky. Shneaky just said Uncharted 4 is the best multiplayer game ever. Sneaky. <laughs> oh, sneaky. What, what are you thinking, bro? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that one. I did not enjoy the multiplayer in Uncharted really at all. I gave him, and I gave him a chance because for whatever reason, well, I can't even remember which one it was. I guess it was probably Uncharted 3. And there was a ton of people at game trailers that got into the multiplayer. Mm-hmm. And there were sessions happening after work every night. And I played like one night and I was like, bro, this sucks. What are you guys doing spending yeah, your we, time on this? My group played Uncharted 3's multiplayer for like a day. Yeah. And like the second day we started again, finally someone was like, why are we doing this? What are we this? doing? And like, it's we, so yeah, weird. We, yeah, we went back it's to so, something else. That is the definition of shoehorning yeah. a multiplayer mode into a game. Because yeah. the the combat is it that good in the single player yeah. option? And I never played. Why would you make? A I never played fours multiplayer. multiplayer so I, I I did because I needed to to evaluate the game, but like I didn't enjoy it. Sneaky, you're wrong on that one. Objectively wrong on that. One. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. But Matt, one thing that is yeah, I agree crazy. with Manny. Manny, Doctor One, or I I forgot Uncharted Four had multiplayer. Yeah. <laughs> Manny, Doctor One, yeah. Swanland, your health is literally a luck meter. And then Sneaky says, I completely disagree. <laughs> different strokes for different folks. But one thing I think we can all agree on is, holy cow, what a presentation this was for yeah. Sony. What do you think would have been the difference if they had done this at E3? Because they probably could have done it at E3. Maybe. Um, would the response have changed at all? So would Sony have won E3? Maybe, but who cares? Um, but would, but, it, but would, would it? Probably, but yeah. like winning E three doesn't mean anything. So I guess like it does. now you, but now it definitely you, would have. Yeah, but you do it now, and I don't think anything changes for them. You had to spotlight it all to yourself. Although, look, I missed it. Yeah, because it's the summertime, and I was out on vacation, and blah blah blah, and I don't know. Like you're still gonna buy all of it. Well, so. yeah, of course. But look at look what I do. I mean, of course, I'm gonna buy right. it all. I'm just wondering if there's lots of other people like me who are out and about doing fun stuff for summer and nah, they, missed it and. They'll they'll get. I mean, again, all these things are so far out. There's like 14 different more yeah, tries, more of chances. Opportunity for them to to get people excited for. God it. of War Ragnarok is not going to come out quiet. Yep. Uh, so anyway, there you go. That's the PlayStation Showcase for September 2021. We're a little late on it, but I had fun discussing it, and it's big stuff that we needed to get on the record about. Um, and I can't wait to learn a lot more about all, pretty much all of these games. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to talk next about WarioWare, Get It Together. Uh, I discussed this on our last episode, like 10 days ago or whatever, however long ago it was. Um, I played a demo that was on the Switch eShop. Um, Nintendo sent me the final version of the game, and I gave it a spin. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it because, I, again, I did discuss it. I really want to just, just discuss what 
is different from playing the final version of WarioWare versus what they gave you in the demo. And I will say this, Matt, I do like it more now that I've played the final version within the framework of how the game works versus how it worked in the demo. And there were a lot of details about the game that the demo really didn't give up at all. So we did know that there were a bunch of playable characters, which is completely different for any WarioWare game. Mm -hmm. That's never happened before. And I didn't realize just how robust that feature was. Um, I also didn't realize when I played the demo version was that before you play every round of micro games, you choose the characters to play with through that round. Um, and usually, like at the beginning, you pick three, and as you get farther into the game, you end up picking up to five. Um, however, I also feel like it ends up becoming the game's kind of Achilles heel because what you find after, over time, and I will, I will commend Nintendo and Intelligent Systems for this, and that is that there are dozens of characters in this game, and they all are different. They all do something different. But the problem is, is that I feel like in the quest to add so many characters that all did something different that they they failed to make them all interesting to play. Mm. So like 9-Volt, one of the characters, the only thing he can do is just he, he automatically moves side to side, bouncing off objects, and he just sends like a hook shot up. That doesn't work well for a lot of the mini games. But I'll say this, like somehow every micro game in this can be completed by every character in the game, which is amazing. Like technically, if you think about if you're a designer or you're a game developer and that's a big project. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're going to have like 100 micro games and we're going to have 20 some characters and every one of those characters needs to be able to complete every one of those micro games. It's a feat, and they accomplish it. That doesn't mean it's fun. And what I found is that you just pick the characters that can fly. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. there's a lot of micro games where like there's gaps, and you have to like jump over. If you have a character that can fly, some of them you complete without even trying. And I will say this, that is a part of WarioWare. I thought half of the fun of playing the original WarioWare games was I just completed that micro game and I have no idea how I completed it. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of that to this, but ultimately what ends up happening is I ended up selecting like the same five or six characters for every micro game. And so you end up making this decision in your head. It's like, do I want to just make progress in this game? Or do I want to bend the knee and play the game the way Nintendo wants me to play the game by choosing all these other characters that in all honesty make the game much more difficult to complete? And what I ended up defaulting to, and I think most people will default to, is like, no, I'm going to pick this handful of characters that are very versatile and will work across all the micro games instead of these ones that may work really well for one of them but really suck for the rest of them. And because it's random the way that they throw the games at you, you do not know what the games are going to be. Well, roughly you do because with each character, there are certain micro games that are always going to be in their round. But for the most part, the games are thrown to you at random. So you just want characters that are versatile and that you know are going to be able to accomplish the micro games, you know, more easily compared to a lot of the other ones that are a little more specialized. So I feel like its biggest design change from prior WarioWare games is not particularly successful. Um, Just like all WarioWare games, for each round you get four fails. So if you fail four times, you, you, you have to start over, but you don't. Um, you can spend a thousand coins and and pick up right where you left off. Not just the round where you left off, the exact micro game where you left off, including hmm. boss fights. So if you fail in a boss fight and you run out of all four of your attempts, 
And the way it works is there's like 10 games per round. You, when you first start, you have a lot of time to complete each micro game. As you go further, that time limit gets smaller and smaller until you get to the final, the final micro game, which is a boss fight. Even the boss fights, you can use the thousand coins and try them over until you run out of coins. Coins are very easy to collect. In short, it's it's really just a means to an end. Um, particularly if you're doing what I was doing, which was just selecting the characters that I was good with and I knew were versatile and I could complete a lot of micro games with. Um, I was surprised at the presentation also in the final version of the game. Each character, as you unlock them, there is a like a story element to it, a little plot that plays along with like these animated cinematics that are very charming and very cool. Um, the presentation in general was a lot more robust than what I saw in the demo, and I didn't anticipate that, um, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, the structure of the main mode in the game is laid out kind of like a 2D Mario game. You guys probably saw that in the B-roll a little earlier. You have like a 2D map screen, and as you complete each round, you go back to the map screen, a new area unlocks, and it does eventually get to a point where the, the paths start to branch, and you can kind of pick and choose which round you want to do next. Um, so again, tried and true design, and it works fine. Um, the boss fights suck. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, I think it's kind of hard to create a compelling boss fights. In yeah, this, especially this. when they have to be completable by all the characters. Right. Yeah, and so they're they're awful. Like they're usually in most games, they're the highlight. They're not. They're just another micro game in this. In all honesty, some of the worst micro games that are in the game. Um, I think one thing I would say, reflecting on my time playing this, is it's another one of those games that reminded me that I'm old and hmm. that I have played all the WarioWare games and that there are a lot of people who own a Switch who maybe never played a WarioWare game. And so I'm sitting here, I'm saying these older ones are better, um, this one isn't very good, but if you're 15 years old, even if you're 20-some years old, you probably never played the better WarioWare game. So I, I tried to look at it from the perspective of someone like that, who is like, what is this? Is they're just throwing these mini games at me? And I still feel like it falls short in that regard as well. Because the mini games are just not as funny. They're not as charming. They're not as avant-garde. The When you do get one of those, it's almost like a shock. Like there's this one where you just like wind a wheel and like Doshin the Giant comes out from the background. And like that made me laugh. I was hmm. like, oh wow, okay, there. that's what I'm talking about. There's not enough of that in this game, in my opinion. They fall back on plucking the hairs like they have, or like, you know, nose humor, picking the nose, plugging the nose, stuff like that. And again, if you've never played any of these games, you may find that stuff amusing or funny. As someone who's played them all, they've kind of worn out their welcome at this point. Um, I don't know. It, it just, it's lost its ability to surprise for me. I don't know if that would be the case for people who are younger. But what I would say to those people is... Just go buy an old one. <laughs> go buy an old WarioWare game. Um, I don't know if... I don't think Switch eShop has has those, though. I don't, I don't, they do. I haven't noticed. Yeah. I don't think you could just go on the eShop. And, you might like, be able to get them on DS, a 3DS. Maybe. I don't know I don't know what they have on there. I imagine at least the more recent ones would be on 3DS. You'd think. But now the 3DS is kind of this legacy platform at this point. It's kind of done. So... I guess I do have to kind of look at it from the perspective of most people aren't going to go buy an old system and find a WarioWare yeah. game to play this. Is this good enough for them? But also, like, who doesn't have a 3DS? Right. Yeah, you can get one for cheap, too, off of eBay if you want. But who's going to do that to play an old WarioWare? They're just not. Um, and so I do think for those people, they're probably going to enjoy this game. It, they're not going to enjoy it for the money that they're asking for it. It's basically a full-price game. 
And you can complete it in, I don't know, two hours. It's just not enough That's entertainment ridiculous. value for what, what they're asking. And as we know, it's a Nintendo's, constant Nintendo problem these days. It is. And as we know, Nintendo, uh, it happened with Mario Golf, in fact. Yeah. It also had limited staying power. Um, it's been a dry year for the Switch. It's just really struggled to have that the couple games that are just that can hold you and hold your interest for a long time. And they're not working with the player here. They're not offering these games at cheaper prices and cheaper discounts. Um, let me jump forward here because I'm about ready. I'm almost done discussing this game. And that shows you, you know, how limited it is. But I do want to show you guys kind of like the the Nintendo-themed uh, micro games so you can see. And those are always the ones that people want to check out. This was kind of a cool boss fight right here. Um, because it's, it's a two-parter. First, you have to unlock it, and then you have to use the physics of the water to get that creature up out of the water and up onto the ledge. I thought this was kind of cool, but it was the best boss fight of them all. So that tells you something. And uh, here we'll jump forward to some of the Nintendo-based micro games, which I think are always the most interesting. There's a Donkey Kong Country one. I wish, honestly, the game had more of this type of stuff mm-hmm. that drew on the nostalgia because the ones that don't just aren't as interesting as the ones that used to be. I never figured out how to complete this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? But those, to me, that's the best part about this game is when you see something and your brain can't comprehend it in the amount of time that you need to complete it. It's like you don't even mind failing. That's what is missing from this. That, I just found it. I just figured it out. That's what's missing from this. There aren't micro games where you're okay with failing because they were just so avant-garde and caught you off guard so much or so interesting or funny or weird that you're like, I'm cool missing that because now I get to try it again and maybe I'll kind of figure out what it is this time when I try it. Um, So, yeah. This is way overpriced for what it is. Um, I think they took the wrong direction with this. I did not get. I'll say this though. I did not get to play this multiplayer, so I don't know how much that changes things. I do wish that I had done that because that is the other big new feature for this: is that you can play it with another person. And I probably should have tested that out, but I can't imagine that it would add enough staying power to the game to where it would make it worth what they're asking. It seems for. like you're playing the wrong character for this one. This, that, this is my point. So this, they force you to use this character on this one. You can't choose another character, and it's annoying. But they have built the level in a way that you can use this character and you can get through it. And again, that's kind of part of the genius of how they designed the game, but that doesn't make it fun or compelling or worth the full price that they're asking for the game. So, WarioWare Get It Together. Another not complete miss, but kind of a miss on Switch. Um, Mm -hmm. It just has not been a strong year for software on the platform. Hoping that doesn't continue to be true in two weeks. Why? Because that's when Metroid Dread oh, comes Dread's out. Coming. And I oh, get, yeah. I'm going to get my Switch OLED here I, soon. I need Metroid Dread to be good. That's what, October 8th? 8th, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Me too, man. Like, it needs a good game for this year. I, I know Switch, in a lot of ways, just keeps getting by on it still has mm-hmm. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And it still has Super Mario Odyssey. And I'll say this. I was home on vacation. My nephew came over, and he has a Switch. And he had Super Mario Odyssey, and he is still playing it. Still playing it because there are so moons. many moons, and he's like, "You're the expert." He's only seven. He's good, first of all. Like he's mastered all mm-hmm. the expert techniques in that, like using the hat to do like the crazy long jumping. He can do all of it. And he came to me. He's like, "You're the expert. You do this. Like, get me like my last like 25 moons that mm-hmm. I haven't got yet. I couldn't get them because they're like the hardest ones in the game." And I was like, "I'm sorry, bro. Like, 
I could get him if I sat here all day. I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, you get him. You're seven, man. This is yeah. your job. You're the one who has all the time in the <laughs> exactly. world. Exactly. Even though I was on vacation at the time. Um, but look, so there is value to that. There are people who are still playing Breath of the Wild and Super Mario Odyssey. But, man, if you've owned a Switch the whole time, it's really slim pickings right now. And mm-hmm. Metroid Dread cannot get here soon enough, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah. And even that, as a Metroid fan, I'm still kind of like, 60 bucks, huh? Yeah. Like, it, I don't know. Like, I'll do, I'll pay it because oh, yeah. Metroid. Yeah. But, like, a little dicey. their pricing structure at this point is a little... Yeah. Mm. They have gotten a little better about discounting their games, but yeah, still but not not soon enough and not I mean cheap look. Enough. I feel like Metro I mean I it's a 2D so, I mean I love Metroid. I'm very excited for a new Metroid. I think that should be 50 bucks. Yeah. I'd agree. Uh but it's the first Metroid in quite a while and people are going to buck yeah, up and pay. I mean, it. we're going to do it. Yeah, it's not like they're not going to get all, my money for it. And every one of you are going to do it too. Yeah. <laughs> Just like we are all us. the problem. <laughs> we are the problem. Was well, one of the recent questions on Pactor Factor was, does voting with your wallet really matter? Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't? Not really. <laughs> because we're all weak. Yeah. Well, also, like, sometimes, it, you know, where's the message come from? Was it, like, you know, the Diablo thing. Like, I, you know, yeah. like, I'm like, I don't really feel good doing that. Like, like Are you going to buy Diablo 2? Well, I've talked, to a couple, I've talked to a couple of my friends from Blizzard, and they're sort of like, look, if you don't buy it, it doesn't do anything but hurt us. Well, it's also... Who, it, like, aren't the ones who did, you know, the, the people who were responsible for all that shit, like, that's... That's in the hands of the California courts, basically, and all you know. You saw the yeah, I had a legal left yeah resigned yesterday, so everything's going great. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm torn. I may get it. Like you know, I've, I've you know, my the people I know at Blizzard have all kind of universally said like, look, like not buying it or buying it doesn't really you know, not buying it doesn't really do anything but hurt Vicarious Visions, and Vicarious Visions was not part of this yeah. so yeah that's the thing vicarious visions is the studio developing it. yeah and so they I'm, had no they have no fault in any yeah. of the stuff that's happening so i'm gonna have to i'll think about it it's tough but like it's really tough the other the and of course the other side of that is like are you guys buying it are you guys gonna buy diablo know? 2 resurrected put it the, in the, the chat. other side like you look you know i looked at the the promo stuff and stuff on playstation like god that blizzard logo is nowhere like it says you know Bl- there's a the the, the you know the yeah, blizzard, little little blizzard in regular text for the yeah. for the intro and the you know a few seconds in the trailer but there is no blizzard logo anyway yeah. and i you know you used to see like it was diablo and the blizzard logo on the chest you know like they were trumpeting that blizzard made that game yeah and it's gone now it's it's interesting is chat going to buy it uh case of money says no buy on blizzard um, Vincent says first party games are generally on sale in the eShop for a third off. You're right. We mentioned that like they're getting better with their discounts, but they're almost always digital. It's hardly mm-hmm. ever physical that you get discounts on. Um, let's see. Sh- Shuffle Scrub, what's Blizzard? Hey, first time chat from viewer. What's up, Shuffle Scrub? Welcome to Game Face, man. We're here every Tuesday from 1 to 4 Pacific. Come on back. Um,. How many people saying no are actually going to get it? That's the other thing. Some people may not admit mm-hmm. that, you know, they, they may say, oh, I'm not buying it. And then in the in the dark of the night, they mm-hmm. decide. Well, like, like a lot of people saying they already pre-ordered before all the stories broke. Oh. So. And it's very hard to get your money back from Sony, particularly if you've pre-ordered something. Erebus Jones says, I pre-ordered it for the D3 bonuses, Diablo 3 bonuses, before the story broke. Yeah. Jamry 99 I pre-ordered. I tried to return it by calling Sony three times, and I was on hold for hours. So I gave up and sadly will buy it, although I don't support the company. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be in that position where this news just broke too late, and you guys are already committed your money, and it's hard to get 
refunds on that stuff. Yeah. Um, one Xolo says on this chat, why would you lie on this chat? Hmm. Because pe- because you're still a person. Some people are here every week on the show. I think everyone in our chat knows each other. Like uh-huh. they have a reputation to uphold. But at the end of the day, they can do whatever they want, and we'll never know. That's the bottom line. So people can come on here and say, nope, I'm not supporting them, and go buy it. And it's not like we'd be any of the wiser. So um, why would you ever pre-order a digital game? I will never understand, Veritas. I'd agree with that. I don't Mm -hmm. know why. There's no point. Yeah, my only reason to do that is I forget that something comes out. Oh. And so if I, if I like, sometimes I'll be, oh, wait, that came out today? Oh, I missed the pre-order bonus or whatever. Yeah. I, I like having the pre-order bonuses. Yeah. So that's usually, I mean, I usually do it like the week before or the day of or something. Mm-hmm. But like, sometimes I do forget. I was like, I forgot Deathloop came out. I don't, yeah. I don't know if there are any pre-order or anything for that, but like, I didn't play that until like five days after it came out because I saw people talking about it on, on Twitter. I'm like, I, th- I just sort of, for some reason, I figured it was like people were talking about like early release, early review things or whatever, and I was like, oh, that game came out like three days ago. Okay, I guess I, I, guess I got to play that. <laughs> I think a lot of people may be doing that with Kina today. They may not yeah, realize it's yeah. coming out today. That I did pre-order uh, ahead of time because I was looking forward to that. Well, there's no physical version of that game until yeah. November. I bought it. I actually bought Kina the same time I bought Deathloop. Oh, okay. So, which was still a pre-order for Kina at the time. Yeah. I was like, as long as I'm here. Yeah. I there's no physical version until November. Yeah, November, yeah. I don't know why. Why would you do that? I don't know. Why wait till November for the physical version? I, I mean, know. obviously Christmas is there and you can generate sales, but you could generate sales the whole time. Uh, you might generate more by just being on the shelf at that time period and you're probably, you know, if you don't if you're new, yeah. then maybe you'll get shelf space whereas right. exactly. releasing now. Meanwhile, you're going to be like 3 months old. That's and, a good point. That's a good point. Okay, it's time to move on. We're going to talk next about Wait, do I have my rundown correct? Oh, I do. We're going to talk next about the little console that couldn't, the Nintendo GameCube. Hmm. It is the, Matt, can you believe this, the 20th anniversary yeah. of the Nintendo GameCube. You know what's 10 years old today? What? Dark Souls. Is it? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Not even Demon Souls. Dark Souls is 10 years old today. I read an article the other day about... It's not just us who thinks as we're getting older, time goes faster. It's a real thing. Yeah. Like, it's not, it's like been studied and like. Mm-hmm. I, however, do not believe the thing where some people say, oh, if you live to be a thousand years old, like a decade would, pa- would feel like it took like five minutes. I'm like, no, nah, I think there's a threshold. No. Yeah. For that. I think there's a point of diminishing return. Because believe it. me, even though I do f- have that sensation about things sometimes, uh, there are days that are that take forever. Yes. Like, it's still, still there's still days that time you can wish still would crawl end. just fine. I promise. <laughs> Um, it was interesting. So I was um, getting ready to go home from my vacation, and I have I have a shoulder bag. I have literally had – where is it? Oh, I can't even bring it on. My best friend and my best man for my wedding, back before I moved from Philly, and I think it was actually my parting gift when I left Philly to come out to California 20-some years ago, he bought me a shoulder bag. I still use that shoulder bag. Matt – it's the same shoulder bag that I used at Tech TV. Mm-hmm. I used it at G4. I used it at Game Tra- I still use it. And so, anyway, and it's a polo bag, by the way. It's 20-some years old, and it's still holding up. So if you need a good shoulder bag, I can vouch for polo. Hmm. But anyway, I was cleaning everything out of it. Because, you know, you're going to go through security, and you're just like, I don't want to get hassled if there's, like, a knife in here or whatever, if I've hidden a gun in there. <laughs> I don't like guns in my bag. Anyway, I was just cleaning it out, and I found my business card from GameSpot, the last one that I had, mm. and it said GameCube and GBA editor on it. Wow. That was from, like, literally GameSpot did that for, like, five months. It tried to be, like, IGN, because yeah. IGN always had editors Sections that you. were assigned just so Matt Casamassina, he did he Nintendo. He was the Nintendo. Yep. Yeah. And Doug Perry, he did 
PlayStation mm-hmm. and like so they had people Some poor sad sack had to do Sega. Yeah, they did. Like, yeah, yeah, they like, did actually. There was a Sega channel and they had two people yeah. that did, worked on it. And um GameSpot at a certain point was like IGN starting to take the lead on us and they're like, "Well, why is that happening?" Mm-hmm. And they thought it was because they had people assigned to each platform and people became fan they, it was actually I it mean, was one, because GameSpot's site sucked. It in was. Comparison. It was. It was terrible compared to IGN. But IGN's wasn't great back then either. No, but it was more usable. It, yeah, right. And yeah, GameSpot's was like a database. Yeah. It wasn't it was, like a... <laughs> like it was very hard to find what I wanted. It was, yeah. Um, but they thought it was because, you know, people like Matt Cass and Messina were building fans. They, they felt like, really, they were kind of the first influencers or whatever. And so GameSpot decided, oh, well, we're going to start assigning people to platforms because before I got there, I was running a GameCube and Dreamcast website, fan site. Um, they're like, well, we'll put Shane on Nintendo because we also had Ricardo there who was like world's biggest Sega fan. So he was on the Sega beat and they put me on the Nintendo beat. It only lasted for like four months or whatever. But inter- interesting anecdote. I was GameSpot's one and only Nintendo editor, the mm-hmm. only one that they ever had. And then when I left there, they trashed the whole concept and went right back to the way that they had done things mm-hmm. all along, and the rest is history. So anyway, I do have an affinity for GameCube and the GBA um, because it was also the only time in my career that I was handed a beat um, where it was like, okay, this is what you're doing, Shane. Go after it. And I did go after it. Like, I was – it was crazy, dude. I would call – like, every news story – I would get in there in the morning. Every news story that came out, I would call the publishers and try to get quotes. Like I, because I came out of journalism school. Mm. That's what I was supposed. I thought I was supposed to do, and it worked. Like I would get quotes from like Perrin Kaplan on Nintendo stuff that she wasn't supposed to share, and then she'd call me later on and be like, "Oh, I shouldn't have said that." I'm like, <laughs> "Too late, honey. Like it's already <laughs> up and it's running." I got some quotes out of them about the. I got a quote out of her from the when Rare left that like she shared stuff she wasn't supposed to share. Mm. It worked, but it's crazy. I would get in there and like it would just be a press release, and I would call Sony. I'd be like, hey, I'm looking for a quote about this. And they'd be like, uh, people don't normally do this. And I'm like, but I'm doing it now. So you need to give me a quote. Or I'm going to say that you refuse to give me a quote, which will look bad. And it worked. So anyway, I do have an affinity for the GameCube. How do you feel about GameCube, Matt? Like when you when it, when I first say it, what comes to mind for you? Um, Rogue Squadron. Rogue Squadron. Launch, you know, one of the best launch games of all time. Yeah. Later. Yeah. Certainly, um, with the most technically stunning launch games of oh, all yeah. time, one of them. I mean, I think I do like some uh, stuff on it. Uh, I think it was, I think it was uh, more powerful than anyone gave it credit for. Like, I think it's probably the most you know raw power of all three of them. Yeah, the generation, which it never got credit. Never for got that, credit really. for. Uh, it, I think of the three consoles of that gen, they uh, the GameCube stuff still looks the best if you hook it up to a you know HDMI thing, or if you play um, Dolphin. Yeah, I use the emulator. The, the, some really gorgeous, which you t- some really gorgeous use texture for, work with backup games that you own. By the um, way, people and uh, yeah, you want to you want to steal sales <laughs> from a twenty year old console? Um, I'm just covering my ass, Kyle. But uh, <laughs> uh, no, I think it's I, in general. I think I think it was a it was a good system. Um, I didn't get a lot of stuff on it. Uh, primarily, it was mostly for exclusives, as Nintendo systems tend to be. But there's a lot of good things on there, and a lot of good things that hold up in ways that other stuff from that gen don't. Um, certainly, I think Metroid Prime and Eternal Darkness and, and Prime uh, Two and the Primes and uh, you know Rogue Leader. Um, some of those weird things, the Lost Kingdom games were like weird. Oh yeah, I forgot gems. about those. Yeah, um, that kind of stuff. There's a lot of good stuff on there. I still have a lot of GameCube games on the shelf, uh, even out front of the shelf to be accessible. Should I want to play them? I do have a 
uh, a converter box, like the converter box that lets me uh, do the digital out, do the progressive scan through into an HDMI cable to go straight to the plasma. Um, and look, mm-hmm. that looks great. Like it's a, you know, I have put effort and time into making the GameCube playable on my modern setups. So I have yeah. not lost interest in that console. Yeah, I have not taken my PS2 out of its box in 15 years. I have not taken my original Xbox out of its box in 15 years. I just not even a year ago got out my GameCube and was like, "Does it still work?" And it did still work. Yeah. F Zero. Last time we got to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally, the last time yep. we got to do that was on GameCube. What do you think is the system's lasting legacy, Matt? To me, it's going to be the last Nintendo console where Nintendo got third-party support, legitimate third-party. Yeah, it support. was the last time Nintendo was uh, competitive alongside the others. After the after this with the Wii, Nintendo decided to start playing their own game. This this was the which, last console before the Blue Ocean strategy, yeah, which basically worked. So, like, you yeah. know, but. Um, and it was, you know, it was the closest, you know, I think when people complain about, including me, complain about, like, um, you know, wanting a, a Nintendo sequel or a Nintendo game, just like, just make another Zelda. Just give me another Metroid. Just, uh, they're thinking about the GameCube era mm-hmm. when that was still That's a thing what that happened. happened yeah. You know? um, even if you didn't like everything, like, you just, they did make another Kirby. They made another uh, Star Fox. They made another yeah. Metroid. They made another Metroid Prime. They made... You know, like they, the, you know, the, there was some really legitimate stuff on there. Uh, really even Star Fox Adventures is 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 kind of the last, the last rare opening thing. You yeah, know, it was like that was really Rare's last Nintendo project. Yeah, of note. Yeah, and there's some weird. You know, there's a lot of oddities on there that I think uh, maybe they're not great, but they they sort of hold up better than the oddities on maybe the PS2. Like Double like, Dash is the worst Mario part, yeah, though. Like I think. Geist. <laughs> Geist. Um, that's right. Yeah. Well, certainly the only game I can recall where I uh, played as a bowl of dog food, um, <laughs> if only briefly. Yeah, uh, it's a lot of good stuff. And uh, Eternal I, I, Darkness. Eternal Darkness is great. I still have I have good memories of the launch. Of the, you know, launch here was in November. Obviously, mm-hmm. the, the anniversary they're they're talking about now is the Japanese right. release. Um, I remember uh, my uh, my girlfriend at the time worked at a GameStop, and uh, we went to and I went to the midnight launch, and I had no pre order. So I, I ended up asking her manager, who I knew, like, do you have any other any extras? And she's like, because I was for some reason at the time I was very anti pre order. I hated, oh, really? I refused to pre order anything. <laughs> I felt you should be able to just walk that into a store and buy something. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, can, can you know, do they have any extra extra black ones? And she's like, yeah, I get you black. So I got one. And then so I'm standing in line, you know, with my pre order tag for that. I pre ordered it an hour before we're gonna get them right. And I say, I'm standing in line, and they did like a raffle for like a free game, and I've already ordered like all the launch games I want and the system now and I won the raffle <laughs> and everyone in line is just, everyone's like it rigged insider uh. <laughs> he has, his girlfriend works at the store and, uh, so the game I, I, the only other game I even had a vague interest in was Super Monkey Ball uh-huh. so I got Super Monkey Ball and that copy of Super Monkey Ball is still sealed on oh, my shelf that might be I've worth ne- money I've, probably is I've never opened it wow um so, Four uh, Swords Adventures with the GBA and the GBA Link Cable. Yeah, Pac-Man Versus. That was a good time. But if you had yeah, with GBA the GBA to play Link with. Cable. Yeah, yeah. They tried to do some cool stuff with Wind it. Wind Waker. Did, yeah. You know, they put out the the Ethernet adapter eventually, yeah. but it only the, worked with like two games. The, the GBA uh, player that actually it made it a cube. Made it a cube. Yeah. yeah. If you, it's it was interesting to see 
Nintendo had big plans for that yeah. platform that just never materialized. Fantasy Star with the the, the Ethernet adapter. I played. That's what yep. I got the Ethernet adapter for. Was Fantasy Star? Isn't that Star. how they ended up like hacking something? Yeah, there was some of that. There was some kind of a hack oh, that happened yeah. with the GameCube and the Ethernet Chibi Robo, adapter. Robo. It's good stuff. Cubivore, one of the most inexplicably valuable games in the system, which is amazing. Like yeah. I have the the Japanese version. It's called what Am- Animal Leader. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh. Uh, Botan Kaidos. That's right. Those, those Another are, those are cool. obscure RPG. I bet you that's probably worth money now, too. Probably. Um, Chibi Robo, as we're seeing right now. It's it's really insane that it would it failed so miserably. Italian Wars? Yeah. That stupid thing? It only sold 20-some million. Yeah. That's insane. Nintendo sells that in a year now with Switch. Yep. <laughs> One year. It's, I mean, obviously, there's, the audience is bigger now, but yeah. it, was, you know, it was definitely not a giant success. Oh, it was a failure. It was uh, it, third party it, games sold horribly on it. Yep, and it was always lazy because you know they had the discs and so third party publishers would have to compress their mm-hmm. their cinematics and they like always looked and sounded and terrible. Yeah. And um, Nintendo's it was so concerned about piracy that it ended up killing its platform. I would yeah, it was a I weird believe. situation with like um, it wasn't worth it. It was very it was a very powerful system, could have been great, but like the the size of the media was actually a limiting factor. Like how it. crazy is that? Third, it, like, it killed post- third party support because the third party games were always the yeah, worst. They, it's like they finally they finally moved away from the the, the size limitations that the cartridges forced them right. into, and then they and then, did the same thing to themselves yeah. by using the tiny discs. Yeah. It was because so the problem weird. with the cartridges is the size. Yeah, because if you wanted a big cartridge, it was expensive yeah. AF. And so they're like, okay, well, we'll go to discs. A disc, and we'll just put a hard limit <laughs> on what we're, we can do. You know, so now you don't even have the option of being expensive. You're just stuck. There's a couple games that came with multiple discs, but not yeah. many, because they didn't want to pay for the extra discs yeah, to be like manufactured. It was just so... And it, you had the weird thing, because of the nature of the discs, you could only have two colors right. on the image on the disc. Blue so it was, it was and, any, like, black. No, it was any color. It was any two colors, but you could but only have only two. At a time. At a the time. way they screened the yeah. top of them. Yeah. yeah, so it was, like, usually you had black and red. Right. Or, like, something yeah. like that. Or black and green. <laughs> it's funny. And now, <laughs> apparently, some of those have, like, started to peel off. Yeah. Now. I haven't seen it on any of mine. Well, they're starting to deteriorate. I saw a YouTube video where a guy bought a binder full mm. of GameCube games. Literally, like, 400 of them, all bad. Wow. None of them would read. Like, they started to deteriorate. Mm-hmm. Just do that. Like, yeah. they start to, like, pull apart. Disc rot. Yeah. Well, especially if, if you're stored in a binder like that, and if that binder was stored somewhere that was not conducive to storing a disc got, properly. If there was moisture or anything. It is yeah. always better to put them, keep them in their cases. Yep. Um, sometimes it doesn't protect them yeah. fully. But, like, usually in situations I've seen with that, it's one one disc. One thing, you know, you're, all your discs are not going to suffer from that. It's usually one disc maybe with a crack in the case. It, the moisture got in somehow or whatever, depending on where you're storing them. I have not really run into any cases of disc rot in my collection, but I know it happens. Yeah. Uh, and it does seem to happen to the, the GameCube games. I know, like, there's a lot of concern over, like, Twin Snakes copies, no. like, both having functioning discs, because sometimes that can be a problem. Yep. Um, I don't know. The, the, the collecting game things gets into a weird area now that they're doing all the weird stuff with, like, the $2 million copies and stuff, and the Sonic the Hedgehog gets sold for, like, a million dollars or something. Yeah, people in the chat are just like, I had a PS2. Everyone had a PS2. Yeah, it was the most dominant console I've ever oh, yeah. seen. Well, like, till the Wii. Yeah, till the Wii. <laughs> but I mean, even at the end, the Wii. But the PS2 was a constant presence. The Wii was just like everyone had one, but nobody played much, right. much well, they of just it. Played the one PS2, thing on but the PS2 was literally everybody's daily driver yeah. for for years. It was one that everybody used, and some people bought two, three of them because yeah. they wore out like their original launch units. Yeah, I do not have a PS2, a functioning PS2 at this point. I, I still have my launch unit. It still works fine. No, I went through two of them, at least two of them. I do still have a debug. Uh, mm-hmm. Sitting around, 
but uh, I haven't tried it in a long time. I don't know if it still works. I bet it does. Those debugs were built different, and they ran mm-hmm. like beasts. They never died. Um, I have fond memories of the GameCube for a lot of reasons. When I started in the industry, it was one of the consoles that was out there. And so, you know, learning to be a journalist in the industry, it was about GameCube, PS2, and Xbox. Um, so there's a lot of nostalgia for me there. Um, but I don't think there's any denying also that it was Nintendo's biggest failure as a console. Even the, I think the N64, did it sell more than GameCube? I can't remember. I don't know if it did, but it doesn't matter to me because the N64's games were so groundbreaking as far as 3D and things were concerned. Like those, Some of the moments I had with my N64, I'll, I don't think I'll ever be able to replicate in gaming again. Mm-hmm. I thought VR might do it, but no. That first jump from 2D to 3D, I don't think it's ever going to be beat. No, that's a that's a hard thing to beat. Like that was a you know that transition and the transition to the Dreamcast yep. was like yep you know basically the transition well, to, the I, transition to 3D and then the transition into 3D that you could tell what the hell you were looking at. Those yeah. were the two big. It moves. convinced me to launch a, a website. Yeah, those two consoles. My website was N64 and Dreamcast because to me they were what was going to be coming is mm-hmm. what with the future of gaming and it, I was right. It absolutely was. Um, that was what gaming was going to become, and I could see it from the beginning. Um, and that set me off and launched Street Level Gaming, my first uh, gaming website. And then from that, I got my job at GameSpot, and the rest is history. So uh, I definitely have a lot of fond memories of the GameCube. Yeah, Pikmin. I, I think it deserved better than it than it got. Yeah. But it's I also, also have fond memories of being in the press conference for that thing. Yeah. I was there when they in the little little basement in yeah. the hotel where they announced that whole thing. Yeah. But it's also Nintendo's fault. Like, it did some things brilliant with this platform. It did some really stupid things, like proprietary disks. Like, what were they, 1.47 gigabytes or something like that? I think that's about right, yeah. It was like half the storage of a normal DVD or something like that. And then, you know, once they had the, what was it, the dual density disk, then you could get even more on other other disks or other systems than GameCube. It just killed it. And you're right. They didn't learn from the mistakes that they made with the N64. They tried to, and they just made the same mistake again. It's like, oh, we need discs. It's like, no, it's not about the discs or the cartridge. It's about space. Mm-hmm. That's what it was all about. Like, they never understood the root of the problem with the N64. And it, the N64 scared off third parties, and the GameCube did the same thing. And, again, to me, the GameCube will always be remembered as the last Nintendo platform that had legitimate third-party support, even if the games never sold and even if the games were the worst of the three platforms because they were yeah third party games were always the worst on gamecube it's, i think i only true. have one multi-platform game on gamecube still and that is a review copy review retail review copy of everything or nothing mm. which i just never got on anything else because it wasn't all that good yeah and it was fine on that. i have a lot of uh, silvers gamecube silvers which mm-hmm. are just the discs that they sent out for review that will play on retail units but have no screen on them at mm-hmm. all. Um, I literally have done, because again, I was the GameCube editor. So I they just kept sending me just discs and discs. Half of them, I don't think they've ever even been played, but I have tons and tons of them. Literally reams of GameCube silvers. Um, I have a couple, a few reader discs that worked in the GameCube reader. I have a pretty good GameCube collection just in general as far as like rarities and games and stuff mm-hmm. like that it's probably I have, a few th- I have the original press kit where they tell us where they told us we were supposed to write it as nintendo gamecube all, all in art caps. and all caps yeah um i have the the backpack that's shaped like a or like the messenger bag or whatever that's shaped like the gamecube there's like yeah. the, you know the top on it um i still have a twin snakes uh 
press kit is apparently very rare. No, I was gonna say that's probably with worth the magnets. Money. Yeah, that's probably um, worth some cash for sure. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was also fun. Yeah, the GameCube was also fun because it was right when I was getting into like you know I'd been at, been at Tech TV for a little while, but it was like the first console launch you know along with PlayStation and, and uh, Xbox. It was the first console like generation turnover that I'd been in the industry for. All right. You know, so it was it was fun to see that all from that different perspective and be there when it happened yeah. and stand you know stand ten feet from where Adam was interviewing Miyamoto live on television for his first English interview of all time and all this you know yeah there's some there's some milestones there yeah I went to space I went to the last two Space Worlds before yeah. they stopped doing that I saw the unveiling of Wind Waker in Japan I saw the unveiling of that crazy Zelda. In Japan, mm-hmm. that was just like Link fighting Ganon. Yeah, the thing that everybody was waiting for the. They thought the game was going to be, yeah. and then the next year I go back and it's Wind Waker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so yeah, I was there for the last two Space Worlds that Nintendo did in Japan. Uh, definitely some historic stuff. So anyway, that's the GameCube. I realize some of you people watching this, you're like, "What the hell's a GameCube?" Mm. In fact, I think some people in chat are like, "I never even owned one. I never knew one, or knew or knew anyone that had one because." The PS2 just dominated that generation, unlike, I think, any other platform uh, Mm -hmm. before or since. So there you go. Congratulations to Nintendo on the 20th anniversary of its failure of a console. (laughs) All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a studio that has always been known for one thing, but now it's going to do something entirely different with a huge license. No, it's not. What? It's just going to be more terrible writing. That's what what they're known for. You think? Yeah. What we're talking about is Quantic Dream. Uh, You may know them as a studio that developed Heavy Rain, Mm -hmm. Beyond Two Souls, Indigo Prophecy, Detroit Become Human. I felt a great disturbance in the forest as if David Cage told Chris Terrio and J.J. Abrams to hold his beer. (laughs) I feel something terrible has happened. Why? Why do you feel that way? Because everything that David Cage has ever made is garbage, and this is going (laughs) to be more garbage because the man cannot write his way out of a paper bag. But Matt, maybe you missed the updates over the last couple days on it, though. It's not, apparently, it's not going to be a narrative-driven game. It's going to be an action-adventure that's built by their brand new studio in Montreal and mm-hmm. not the base Quantic Dream team in Europe. Does that make you feel any better? Um, no. <laughs> I didn't think so. Uh, in part because I don't feel like supporting anything that helps David Cage. Okay. Especially after the revelations of how they treated their employees right. over there. Yeah, that, Obviously see, that's, so that scandal kind of got swept under the rug. Yeah, Blizzard was a little more visceral in that regard. Mm-hmm. No, no offense, visceral vision. Uh, uh, yeah. It's funny how some people end up skating by. Yeah. And others um, get their, their feet held to the flames. Like, you know, and you can't forget, you know, th- and there's a history there with, with Quantic Dream. You know, certainly, uh, uh, you know, uh, Cage's treatment of Elliot Page was not acceptable at the time with Beyond Two Souls and what they did there, um, which also led to lawsuits. Um, it's, yeah, it's not it's not a company I feel good supporting, uh, even if it's Star Wars, even if it's a new branch of it or whatever. Uh, it's a little disturbing, not disturbing, but it's a little disappointing to me that like Lucasfilm would want to do business with them. Well, um, don't for, don't forget about the whole. And again, you, you know, your whole thing all the time is like, oh, this company's never made a game like this, and so I'm nervous. Yeah. Like, so I think that applies here too. Oh like, yeah. Oh, believe me. Certainly, the, the strong suit of Quantic Dream is not writing, but it's also not controls and gameplay. Yeah. Like they don't have a strong suit other than graphics, basically. Uh, I don't know. I would say choice based games i mean sure they can make a story branching tree but i don't care about that tree because all the leaves are dumb well you're right because (laughs) like like heavy rain there's a fatal flaw in the plot of that game right 
Right. That once you realize it, it's the whole thing seems ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and I won't even share it because I don't want to ruin it for people who may not have played it. But there's a flaw not in that story the, that just makes the whole that game thing absurd. How old is that game now? Ten years old? Is it? It's got to be. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah. It's got to be older than Dark Souls, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember when that game came out. It is. It's, it is older than Dark Souls for sure. Um, I don't know. Some people, I mean, people in the chat are saying that they like Detroit. Like a lot of people are saying. Well, nobody's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but remember, there was the whole this, what we're seeing right now this whole domestic violence controversy, right? Because there was domestic violence in Detroit, and the way it's handled is very ham-fisted. Oh, that's uh, putting it kindly, really. <laughs> like I've seen after-school specials with more more, <laughs> more verve and, and subtlety. Yeah. Uh, and there's that element of it's like, don't you feel terrible what you did to that man? No, no, I do not. I do not find that to have been, have been much of an ethical dilemma, sir. <laughs> I liked the concept behind Detroit. Like, oh, sure. Like all I three, I was gonna all like three it. concepts of their main major games, all four really. If you go back to Fahrenheit, uh, they're all good ideas. They're just bad executions of them. Uh, you know, like it's it's weird. It's and like going through like the idea of like a game that deals with sort of the uh, the civil rights elements of of intelligent sentient androids and parallels them to you know civil rights in the real world. Like there's a legitimate science fiction you know angle there. There's yeah. a there's a legitimate theme there. David Cage and his team were just completely unable to execute on it. Like yeah. it's 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 laughably bad. Yeah, that's something I would look to Black Mirror to tackle. Not yes. David Cage. No. <laughs> Speaking of which, where the hell is Black Mirror? Where's the new episodes of that show? Uh, I think they pushed that down back, that and there sucks. may not be more. Because Dude, there, I haven't watched Netflix in months. There was a point where there were, I think the people, the producers on that were like, we are in the middle of the pandemic. We feel like nothing we could do would be a darker reflection of reality than, than what is happening. actually happening. So maybe later. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, there was basically a, a sentiment of like, we don't feel like anyone needs more Black Mirror that right now. That might be a good idea, actually, now that I think about it. There's just just look out your window <laughs> and imagine that. It's a Netflix yeah. show. Yeah. Um, but you're right, going back to what you're saying about me in general, is like this studio has no experience working on action games at mm-hmm. all. They're adventure. That's what they do. Um, now, this, again, is their new studio in Montreal, but if you think David Cage isn't going to be looking over their shoulder while they make this game oh, and supervising sure. it, you're crazy. Like, it's made, you know, if this is going to be what, where the cinematic kind of action adventure game comes from, like, man, I got monkeys pawed on this thing. Like, yeah. this is just like, oh yeah, oh no, oh look what you did. You, you, yeah. You and what st- about what about um, the Star Wars angle? The fact that they'll be tackling a Star Wars game. I don't know. It How does that make you feel? Uh, like, dude, they cut Amy Hennig's game. Yeah. But they're going to let gonna David give, Cage make one. This dipshit. I mean, that's yeah. insane. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, some of it's par for the course in terms of like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the thought process behind giving these guys this property would I don't be get it. like, I guess you were impressed by the visuals or something or you you didn't, you, you got, you read a summary of, of, uh, Detroit and, and thought that, it. It, yeah. And thought that <laughs> it sounded like a smart thing, but except it isn't when you actually play it. Um, like there's a you know maybe maybe David Cage is really good in a pitch meeting I don't know yeah. um, all I be. all I can tell you is uh, nope it's a trap it's a trap <laughs> it is absolutely a trap um, yeah I'm not excited for it it's, it's disappointing to me that Amy's game was canned and yeah. that this game may go forward. I mean, there's definitely a different attitude now than there was then. There's a more willingness to to experiment. Well, after maybe. EA dropped the ball, um, 
after EA dropped the ball and also after Rise of Skywalker dropped the ball. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're in a position where it's like the idea of um, of protecting the brand on Star Wars is is out the window. Like Solo and Rise of Skywalker have already done the damage in terms of public perception. Um, you've got a toxic fandom that is obsessed with uh, tearing down uh, the best Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi. Um, yeah, I said it. And... Um, <laughs> This and then on top of that, and, and, these movies have and the and on top of that, uh, you know the things that have really redeemed the franchise, the Mandalorian and uh, some of the the Clone Wars stuff and Rebel, like it's all by this random animator guy, Dave Filoni, and John Favreau, who's more famous for uh, Marvel stuff, right? And using that kind of Marvel angle of we're just going to let the creators and the directors and the writers tell the story and run with it and not worry about what like you know what overall strategy we have with the brand. That's where the best best work has come out of in the in the Disney era for Star Wars. So maybe that's what they're angling on. If you I can definitely see if you don't know the details and ins and outs of, of how like Quantic Dream has behaved and, and what they've put out and you don't have direct experience with their games, you could be tricked into thinking that they match that profile. Because their games look good. Yeah, they do look good. And they and they impressive. do present themselves as a creator driven company. Yeah. Um even though they're not. They're right. they're driven by a hack. Yeah. And um, but but again, like that, you might not necessarily know that if you don't have a lot of experience with their games. And let's face it, their games are not exactly barn burners on the sales charts. So yeah. there's a good chance that someone who's only casually familiar with games is not going to be able to have played that stuff. Um, so, but I, the question also becomes like, what the subject of the game is? Like, what yeah. is this thing? Like, is is he making a Jedi game? Is it a smuggler underworld game? Is it a imperial? You know, like, it could be anything. Like, we yeah. don't know. Um, so we're gonna have to wait and see what this thing is first. Um, maybe some of the other people that are working on it. You know, if David Cage is separated from this game by a, by half a planet. Maybe we maybe the Montreal people are more competent at what they're doing and won't be interfered with. But I have a hard time thinking that that Cage is not going to basically, you know, you know, alpha dog this thing when it comes at least when it comes to the story. Yeah, me too. Uh, which is a very very bad thing. Makes me nervous. Um, will it be worse than Rise of Skywalker? Yes. Maybe? I think it will be. <laughs> um, at, least, at, at worst, I would think it would be a sideways move. Yeah. Um, Rise, Rise Skywalker is, is a nonsensical babble of gar- garbage. Like, I, I can't... Like, th- that movie is one of the dumbest things I have ever seen on really? screen. <laughs> Rise of Skywalker much? is... Like, not a single scene really connects to the next one. It is one of the most inept pieces of mainstream blockbuster filmmaking I can think of. Uh, I cannot contextualize it as a Star Wars film. Uh, the prequels are bad movies, but I can kind of, I have kind of con- recontextualized them as like, okay, even if I don't like a- Attack of the Clones, I kind of accept the overall act, you know, events of the movie as the story of Star Wars. Like yeah. I can sum up for you the story of the prequels even and kind of like that Star Wars. Well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I cannot accept the events of Rise of Skywalker as Star Wars. Okay. That is just a bad J.J. Abrams movie that I'm not going to think about again. Okay. That's we'll end it. there because we do have to move on. But. So, Quantic Dream, uh, luckily for them, the bar is under the ground, <laughs> but I have faith that David Cage can find a shovel. <laughs> right on. That's a great way to finish it. All right. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about a game that we also discussed on the last episode of Game Face before I went away for a short vacation. Um, it's Tales of Arise. I have not played any more of it. Matt has. Matt, we are up against it for time. So, mm-hmm. Maybe for this discussion, just focus on mm. things that 
like I did for WarioWare, things that where you've changed your mind or your perspective after playing the full mm-hmm. finished game, if there is anything. Uh, there isn't honest. a whole lot, actually. Really? I, I, was, I was correct that in that it onboards you much more easily into the combat system slowly. Okay. It is a slow burn. I am like... 15 hours something in and I only have three characters Whoa. Uh, I'm about to get the fourth Wow! Um, it's very much in the in the standard RP, you know, JRPG vein of like go to place, solve problem plot problem, gain new party member, go to next thing solve new problem, gain new party member, fight boss Like it's it, there's, a, there's a structure to it that will not surprise anyone, uh, there aren't a lot of surprises in general uh, I will say though it is very pleasant it okay. is a very pleasant game to play. It is it actually pretty dark in play. Like they're dealing with that's slavery. What I was ask, because and, that's it's been marketed as like Yeah, I mean, they're dealing with some unpleasant, you know, this is slavery and human rights stuff and da, da, da. but in general um, it dodges most of the weird JRPG tropes. It tries some new things narratively that it's mostly successful at. Um, uh, Alfin is a little weird in that um, he's kind of aggressively, you know, we're gonna do the thing and free the people, but then something they'll immediately turn around and be like this goofball about like it's like oh that's really interesting that you use like this kind of technology and it's just, and and everyone's be like what are you talking about okay fine sure like there's a lot of contentious relationships between the, the party members. So and would the, you say the characters are inconsistent? No, but he's just sort of weird because he doesn't remember anything beyond he, you know he has his, he's lo- when you find him he has the mask completely over his face. He's just mm-hmm. called Iron Mask. He doesn't remember anything more than a year ago. He's been a miner for as a slave for like a year and he doesn't remember anything about himself before that. So part of the plot and also part of the comedy to some degree with the relationship between the characters comes from the fact that he doesn't know what anything is. Oh. Like his only world has been mining and oh, oh and also he can't feel pain. Um, he can be hurt, like he can die if he doesn't realize he's hurt badly enough. But he, he does not feel pain, so that's why he can use that flaming sword that he oh, pu- that he pulls out gotcha. of uh, Shion's chest because uh-huh. it burns you when you use it. But he can't feel that. Oh, gotcha. so, ba- so the implication—you don't see it every time—but the implication is when he uses the sword, he burns his hands and arms up, and after the battle, she heals his oh, hands so he doesn't die. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so that's sort of what's happening there. So that's why he's the instead of being like a chosen one in the kind of the traditional sense, he's the chosen one because you need that sword to solve a lot of the problems and fight the lords they're trying to f- defeat that like run the planet. Mm-hmm. But he's the only one who can wield it because he's the only one. He's the only person that can hold the sword without screaming in agony, um, which is kind of an interesting thing. And then like the sword yeah. is actually a, your backup thing. So like you have a normal sword that you fight with, and then kind of your your charge moves and special moves and stuff use the sword, the flaming sword. It's called the Blazing Sword, which for a Voltron fan is funny, but like, um, so the the Blazing Sword is kind of his his big attack. You know, it's, it's one. There's like tiers of attacks, like we saw on the demo, where like you got the normal stuff, and you got the arts, which kind of mm-hmm. do the special attacks, and then you've got like the extra things where you have to hold the button with his flaming sword, which gives you another tier of that. And then, then once you load the things up, you can do the boost attacks, which are the special attacks that are effective against certain types of it's enemies insane. or whatever. The and then you have the nuts. team up attacks when you do the strike meters full. And it's like just on and on and on. And on. Yeah. So there's a, but it does definitely, in the main full game, it definitely onboards you more it easily. It builds up to yeah, it. Build, you, you definitely yeah. get a sense of like each section kind of like deals with a different ability. And like each the enemies in that section, are, you know, you'll, you'll have to use that new you know gameplay wrinkle to sort of get past them efficiently so you learn how to use that it, it, it builds on itself very well it just takes a while 
Um, it takes a long time for that the mask to come off. Like, as a matter of fact, I am still not at the point where he's wearing that outfit. Really? Like, he's still wearing like You're a fifteen. Some he's, hours he's had a couple of costume changes, but he's still not in his full <laughs> regalia. Wow. I mean, um, that's not surprising. That's the way Tales games are. Yeah, I mean, it's big. There's a lot to it. So. Uh, I've been playing a long time, and I was kind of like, I just want to get through the beginning and get everybody set up and get. It was like, nope, I, there was, I did not have enough it. time. I'm still playing it. It's yeah. still fun. Uh, graphics are nice. Music is great. Um, voice acting is acceptable for no, the most gonna... part. <laughs> acceptable. Um, I mean, it's funny in places just because, like, how you know, he'll yell, yeah. he'll yell like earnest things about like we must free it, and no one else is acting like that. <laughs> but they kind of play it for laughs a little bit, like uh-huh. sometimes. And it's also funny when, like, there's sections like this. I think this section where it's not fully voiced, so you just get kind of quick little, like, Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Is it like the demo where there's yeah. a lot of sections that aren't voiced? Yeah, the, non, the non-essential the non stuff is not voiced, but you get, like, the characters sort of say things to establish the tone of what the text should be read as. Mm-hmm. But, like, the main guy, like, the, the, the guy, um, uh, uh, like, you're talking to sometimes, like, it's like, whoa, yes. And it's uh, just like, that's weird. Like, that doesn't What about the grunts? Our favorites. That's not too much of that. Not, not, not that I noticed, really. Uh, they talk too much in battle. They say the same things over and over again. I noticed that in the demo. Um, yeah, yeah, but that, that doesn't change. It actually, one of the biggest reliefs when you get new characters is they have new things to say to each other when they're running around. Like, it's, it's like, oh, thank God. Rinwell's here and, and someone, someone has something else to say. Um, Are you surprised at all by this game? Or is, has it turned out to just, to just really be another Tales game? It's not just another Tales game. It's a it's, it's a reinvention, I think, in in the ways they're saying it is. It may not be enough of one for some people if you don't already like action driven kind of JRPG stuff. But uh, I'm happy with it. Certainly more happy with it than any other Tales game I've played probably since Vesperia. Okay. Um, and it is. I mean, I think on Steam they said it sold in its first weekend. It's sold a million. It sold in its first weekend. More than double the last two games combined. Yeah. So it's 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 paying off it's for them. It's doing well. Yeah. So it's doing well, especially for for the franchise. Um, That's a if, good sign. Yeah. And if this is what they're going to do with this going forward, like, I'm on board. Like I, I I like it. Would you recommend people buy it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, if you like the demo, uh, this is just an easier to get into version of that, and uh, you're definitely getting your money's worth. It's it's long. Yeah, I mean, if you're just getting started and you're yeah, I, I definitely and, still feel like I'm in Act One. I mean, that might be a turnoff to some people. Some people, sure, but yeah. like, uh, I'm happy but with that's it. That's the way these games are. That's the way Tales is. Yeah, and there's you like you don't a, really get to the heart of the game until like the 24, yeah, 25 hour mark, and it does get a little grindy apparently later on. Although, like they have a lot of like stuff, like little like four ninety nine like DLC things. There's stuff in those DLC things that like makes all your upgrades cost one item instead of like multiple of each. So instead of like five leather and four steel or whatever, something it would be you one leather, one. one steel. Oh jeez. Or like double XP. Well, pay to win, but at least it's a single Literal player pay to, game. Like, but those are there if you hit a point where you're like, I don't want to grind on it. Because it does take a long time to level up. So you like, can pay to So you can pay to just sort of to remove that up. the grind. Yeah. That's pretty slimy. Eh. It's playable <laughs> without it, but like... How does chat feel about that? Paying so you don't have to grind it in an RPG? Nobody's really caused a stink about this one. I think because yeah. like the price, you know, it's like five bucks... For like a, it's like a chest pack or whatever, and you get like a bunch of shit and and it is stuff slimy it. though. You have to admit. I don't think it is. No, no. Like it's there if you want it. It's it doesn't for, it doesn't really tell you about it in the game. Yeah. Um. And it, and the progression is fine so far, but I think it as I understand it, I haven't gotten there yet. As I understand it, late in the game you hit a point that's sort of similar to like the Grand Pulse section of Final Fantasy Thirteen, mm-hmm. where you're just sort of. You're sort of kicked loose, and there's a lot of grindy stuff you can do, and you can sort of tackle the end game whenever you want, but you might want to build up more. Mm-hmm. Um, and that seems to be what the 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 the, the you know the, the cheat packs are for. There, 
is okay. if you if you want to like speed that part up. So far in the main game, I have not felt underpowered or that I needed to to grind at all. It's, unless I was looking for specific materials to upgrade something, because there are some pretty good upgrades uh, even early on. You just have to find the stuff. Um, I haven't felt it has not felt unfair in terms of the the difficulty curve or the leveling curve. Um, but I could definitely see if you hit a point where it's like, okay, now you got to you know grind on this stuff and do like you know you know kind of MMO style repeated stuff. I could see wanting a, a shortcut to that. Let's see what what Chaz says about that. Uh, Emperor Dread, I'm 25 five hours in. I've had I've had to grind for like an hour total. Okay, that's yeah. not bad. I haven't noticed too much of it at that, but but I I've read that like somewhere around the 40 to 50 hour mark that it gets a little grindier. GX gear grinding is part of the JRPG experience. That's true. But when you put a price tag on it, it tracks mm. from the enjoyment of doing it. Yeah. The, Can you enjoy grinding? It depends. I mean, <laughs> I enjoy the combat in this. So, like, yeah, yeah, I think you can if you if you like playing the actual combat. It's And also it's different because this is an action kind of combo-based system as opposed to, like, if I was just doing a turn-based hit the button, attack, attack, attack thing, yeah, that, gr- that kind of grinding is boring to me. But this is actually fun to play <laughs> when I'm fighting. Says, Pay us so you don't have to play our game. Yeah. <laughs> Cinetyke says, this pay to not grind feels very frustrating to me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Looks like there's different perspectives across the, the spectrum there, um, which is not surprising because we have a diverse audience. All right. So there you go. That's Tales of Arise. Matt says, buy it. Is it that's a full $60 game, right? Yeah. yeah. And more if you want to get like the – there's like a deluxe edition with more costumes and stuff like that. But like, yeah. Those are, those are all cosmetic. They don't do anything for you unless you're really in love with – I think there's like a be- sets of beachwear and like sets of like – it's like a Warring States packs thing where, like, it's just, like, they're all dressed like samurai. Oh. You know, it's weird. It, none of it's particularly thematically appropriate. Like, it, I think they, you know. And there's a lot of, like, Japanese weird, DLC. That tends to be <laughs> that. And, and the Tales games do that all the time anyway. Yeah. That's, that's sort of a tradition almost. And, like, you, you do pick up cosmetic gear from p- finding owls in the game. And they give you, like, weird stuff. So, so, like, my my Alphen has actually had bunny ears on for most of the game, which makes a lot of the more dramatic scenes a little <laughs> less dramatic. Um but yeah. like, but they let you do that. You can put like made costumes. Yeah, but yeah, there's probably there's probably <laughs> I'm sure in there. Sure, there are. But you can Every put like but, yeah, game has a made the schoolgirl outfits you can get from uh-huh. DL- as DLC and stuff. Uh, but like the, the 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 owl stuff gives you a lot of animal parts. So like you can have like you know dog. T- it makes it turn them into furries. <laughs> like it's a lot of a lot of animal parts so far. So, all right. So that's a buy from Mike Coff. Yeah, you especially me- if you play the demo. I don't know if the demo's still up. Um, I don't. I doubt it. Usually uh, they go down when the game goes on. If you sale. like the demo, you're gonna like the main game. Okay. Um, and if you want to hear our impressions of the demo, episode 170, we talk about it for a good 30 minutes. I think. I don't think it was 170. What? Episode 170? Oh, 270. Because that was 100 episodes. Yeah, ago. that was a long time. Ago. <laughs> 270. Um, we talk about the combat in depth for a good while. So Did we? Was that the last episode? 270. No, this is 271. Yeah. So the last time we did a show, we talked about the Tales of Rise demo. Yeah. I don't remember what anything that happens anymore. <laughs> All right. It's time to move on to the last topic of Game Face 271. We're going to discuss Life is Strange True Colors. Matt, how do you, how much do you like the Life is Strange franchise in general? I like it pretty well. Yeah. Uh, I like the first one quite a bit. I like the sec- I, Life is Strange 2 well enough. Uh, I didn't like Before the Storm very much. I did not um, either. I, th- I found that that was... Uh, a stuff I didn't really need to know, and also Ashley Birch being replaced. And I know it wasn't anyone's fault. It was a the strike was mm-hmm. the problem for that. Yeah. Um, but like it, it really hurt. It, it really did, hurt the game for it me. It hurt the continuity. I thought. yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I did like Life is Strange too. Uh, but again, I think 
I think in the end, I feel like Don't Nod is the secret sauce to this, and they didn't make this, and I feel like... Um, um, Would you agree with me the first one's still the best? Yes. Okay. Uh, and I do feel like... Uh, what was the um, what was the game that Don't Nod just made? Vampire? The, no. with the um, Like Life is Strange, but it was not oh. Life is Strange. You know, the, oh, yeah. The um, Mr. Spirit or whatever it was. No, not Captain Spirit. It was not that, that was Life is Strange. Uh I mean the one with the 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 girl and her trans twin who comes back to the the town. It's called Tell uh Tell me why. Tell me why. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um I thought that was more a Life is more in tone-wise felt more like Life is Strange than the recent Life is Strange stuff. Interesting. Um, okay. Um, I know the like part of the Life is Strange thing is like some having weird you know a kid having weird powers, mm-hmm. but like Tonally, it felt that Tell Me Why was a more of a successor to what Life is Strange 1 did. Okay. And we've both been playing True Colors. It is a completely standalone game. It has no ties to the other Life is Strange games other than, as you mentioned, yeah. young, it is in the same young universe. tween with supernatural powers. Yeah, it is in the same universe for whatever they want to do How does that. that work? It's just they're all, set, they're all set in the same world. this game, and I did not see any... No, but they're all in the same universe. Okay. Like, <laughs> they're not set, everything makes it to Colorado. They're all set in a world where a, a tween can have supernatural powers. Well, she's not a tween. She's 18. Oh, she's, that's right. She is 18 because that's how she ends that's up. That's how old you are when you get kicked out of the Out of the group boarding home. house, the group yeah. home or any, whatever. Uh, but Foster care system has no more use for you. Go yeah. away. Narratively, there's no connection with this. No, she doesn't meet games. Max or yeah. any of that. Yeah. Right. Um, and you play as Alex, young uh, Asian-American girl who has been through the foster system. Uh, if for those of you who are on our Patreon or on Sifted, you may have already got some of my impressions on this game. Um, I published an episode of The Grind a couple uh, of Vincent days ago. Vincent notes a Before the Storm character in it. It does? Yeah. Oh, Someone I, from Before the Storm is I in did it. not pick up on that. Mm, neither have I because I've only played the first chapter of this. Okay. So. I have I have finished this game. Um it's a, and I'll just tell you right now, it's about eight hours long. I would, I would oh, say. Oh, that's who that. Okay, Steph. Steph is from Before the Storm. That's right. Oh, she is? The radio girl. Yeah. Is she? Yeah. I don't remember her from that game at all. Yeah, she was in there. Interesting. Well, that's a major player. So, yeah, then in that case, absolutely. There is a major crossover. Yeah, I, I totally forgot that. that that was who, who that because she she's at the very beginning of the game. And I was like, I, she seems familiar. So, and the game lingers on her in a weird way. Well, she's so, a big. She she's a big age. character in the in the game, yeah. but like when you see her, it's like, it did feel like the camera thought you should know who who it's showing you. And I was like, what is that? Well, <laughs> Isn't I don't, it funny yeah. how no, I totally didn't pick up for on a that. long time. You have this like sixth sense to like understand yeah. when developers are trying to tell yeah, you when stuff. You, it's cinematic. It's cinematic language, and it's it's, yeah. it's like in you know, I'm gonna go back to Star Wars again. Uh, <laughs> it's like in Force Awakens when they blow the planet up, and it focuses in on that one woman you've never seen before, and you're like. Am I supposed to know who that is? Like, why is that? Because it feels like the camera's showing you her for right. a reason. And the reason yeah. is there's a cut scene where she's Leia's envoy, and there's a conversation she has with Leia about how she's representing her at the in this you know the Republic government right. because Leia is wanted to be assassinated, so she's the one kind of being her proxy. And you're supposed to already know who that character is and realize that Leia's you know friend and envoy is about to be killed in that scene. But you can tell from how the camera works that it expects you to know something about this person, yeah. and that's definitely true of that first shot of Steph. Okay. I never, I did, but I did not pick up that she was from Before the Storm because I haven't played Before the Storm in years. So okay. Um, so anyway, this is a narrative and choice-driven game. Um, you play as Alex. She is a young girl who's been through the foster system. 
Um, her and her brother were separated at a certain mm-hmm. point because he went to juvie. Yeah, they haven't they haven't seen each other for eight years. Yeah, right? and so she becomes of age to where she can do whatever the heck she wants, and her brother invites her out to move in with him in a little town in BFG, Colorado, mm-hmm. that basically is completely supported by a local mine. Mm-hmm. Um, Gorgeous get, town. It like, is. The whole game which takes place. Which is how place. you know some weird stuff's going on. <laughs> the whole game takes place on one street. Yeah. Like, the, at the end of the game, they, like, jettison you out to these little locations. But literally 95% of this game takes place on one street. And it's just this little town in the middle of the mountains in Colorado. The whole town, everyone who works there either has a bar or a weed dispensary or they work at the mine. Yeah. All it's missing is Eric Cartman. Yeah. <laughs> You're right, actually. <laughs> Um, so she gets there. Her brother is awesome. They didn't hadn't seen each other for forever. He's like, hey, you can have my place. I'm living with my fiance at this point. So she moves into the apartment above the bar where he is mm-hmm. working. Um, bar not... owner is my favorite character oh, okay. so far. I really like him. Stick with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he's got horrible, horrible things in there. But... Uh, but anyway, they move to this mining town. There's an incident that happens. I don't even know how far that first chapter takes you to. Did you make it to the incident? Uh, if you mean the the thing, with, I'm with, trying not to spoil. Yeah, like the huge, anger thing. Yes, the anger thing with the with the guy who shows up mm. to confront the brother. Oh no, I don't think you maybe made it to the big plot. Uh, maybe turn. not. Um, something. There's a tragedy that happens. Okay. Have you not seen that? Maybe not. Okay. A tragedy happens, and I saw an awkward thing happen, but a tragedy did not happen. Okay, yet. a tragedy happens, and the rest of the game is basically Alex becoming a detective and trying to figure. I think out. I know what it is, though. Okay, it's not a subtle game. Okay, um, that's a good point because it's not. Um, and the rest of the game is Alex trying to solve the mystery. Why did this tragedy happen? Who's at fault for it? What are the machinations working underneath the hood that caused it to happen? And how can she bring the people responsible for it to justice? So it becomes like a, a detective mystery kind of at the, I don't know, one-third point. In the last two-thirds of the game, you're basically trying to solve the mystery, as it were. Um, my big complaint with this game is that it really lacks any sort of interactivity. Mm-hmm. Um, now... It's an adventure game, and the prior games in the franchise were also adventure games. But they had more than this does. There's very mm-hmm. – there aren't any puzzles to solve in this, really. No, it was weird going through the you – know, obviously, I only played early stuff. Um, I had to kind of put it down for some reasons. Yeah. Uh, but, like, it was um, – it was really slow. It is slow. Like, I mean, not the Life is Strange games have always been a little talky. Yeah. But, like – like the first game, like you see a murder in a bathroom in the first five minutes, right. you know, and like yeah. this is like like it's just. I mean, there's even I even feel like the pauses between lines are too long. Yeah, in places it's weird. And there's just not a lot of interactivity to it at all. No, especially considering how much work they put into the environment and the town. Like it's gorgeous. Like it's it is gorgeous. By far better looking than anything else in the series so far. Oh yeah, I mean it's not even close. But it also chugs. Oh like, yeah, the when you first walk into that town, because I first walked in, I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna turn the ray tracing off and see if that helps does not help it like it is help. it is like you're t- i'm talking like 10 frames a second in places eventually you end up i'm i think you've probably been to a scene on the rooftop already yeah of the bar um eventually you go up there for like a real mm-hmm. for real time and you can move around and you can like but you can see the whole town and it literally almost crumbles mm-hmm. the engine 
It just can't. I don't know how you have built an engine that can't display a street without a crumbling. Well, isn't this unreal? I. It's just bad programming would be my mm-hmm. guess. But the frame rates are bad. It, it, again, it's not an action-based game, so it's it's just annoying more than anything. Obviously, it doesn't deter from the gameplay because there is no action or timing-based gameplay in the game at all. It really is just an interactive choose-your-own-adventure story. Um, and again, that's kind of what the adventure genre is. However, a lot of yeah, adventure it's Unreal games, Four. What'd you say? It's Unreal Four. It's Unreal Four. Yeah. I, I can't. I can't fathom why it runs so horribly. I really can't. Um, but it really is just a narrative choose. And I'll say this too: it feels like there's more choice in the game, um, both in just general conversation decisions that you make, but also at those kind of focal point decisions where mm-hmm. you know it will actually alter the direction of the plot. Um, Clementine will remember that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's more of that, <laughs> yeah. like, I feel like, but there's just not a lot of action. So, And I know a lot of people don't play these games looking for that. They're looking for a great story and great writing and great characters that are developed. And one thing I will say, you're right, it is slow, but it does help develop the characters better, ultimately. Mm. I think it does. Um, now, she has a supernatural power. It's called empath, empathy power. She can sense people's pain or frustration or anxiety. And not only that, she can go in and, like, mess with their minds Mm -hmm. and, like, find objects in the environment that will, like, jog their memory, things like that. Um, But it is very straightforward. And I would also say, as someone who has finished the game and even kind of went back and, like, played it again, like, from a certain save point that the endings don't change all that much, and I don't feel like there's a lot of agency, ultimately, in what happens in the story. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say that's true of all of them. Yeah, they put on degree. a good front, but it, at the end of the story, mm-hmm. there isn't that much difference in the decisions you make. The one, th- the only thing that I could really tell is, like, who you end up with as your, like, significant other mm-hmm. is the big change. But even the scenes for both of those characters at the end of the game are basically the same. Mm. Um, I mean, the biggest difference in any of the series was the end of Life is Strange 1, which was basically you could save a person and let the entire town die or save the town and let the person die. Big time decisions. And like, basically like, um, and it was interesting in the sense that like the future games had to decide which one of those was canon. Yeah. And it feels like since that, First they've game. Decided to they've not, decided to not have endings be yeah. so drastically different that they could not absorb one or the other as being canon in yep. the future. And I that very well could be. Um, not that this not that this game seems to be rely on too much. You know, it's rely. It's I guess because of Steph, it's it's dealing with uh, uh, before the storm stuff. Because but also it's the company that made before the storm, so that makes sense. Yep. Um, it as Matt said, it does start slow. It gets going in the middle section, and a bunch of stuff happens that's really important and emotionally impactful. They do tackle some stuff that a lot of games don't tackle. Um, there's an elderly woman who works in the flower shop in town, mm-hmm. and she develops Alzheimer's. Yeah, I, I saw that one coming. <laughs> yeah, you probably could. <laughs> that be. first interaction with her, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, um, and they handle it very, very well. Mm. There's um you end up taking on the role of being the her caregiver. You're not really, but in, in a sort of a moment, you become her caregiver, trying to help her through her day. And it, I can't even imagine what it's like to have a loved one who really is fighting all time. Just It's just so, that section of the game, I believe, is purpose, purposefully tedious. 
mm-hmm. meaning it's a chore to play, and it just makes you realize the people who have loved ones who are dealing with this in the real world. It, I have a whole new respect for people who are doing this, giving care to people with Alzheimer's or dementia. And so on certain levels like that, I feel like the game really succeeds. However, I also feel like the game kind of shows all its cards, and I had figured out what was going on way before the games reveals it. And that's where, the, to me, the game really started to drag. I was like, okay, I know what's going on here. There's one like slight element of the twist. Like I didn't know who the person was going to be that was going to be involved in the twist, but I knew what the twist was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, it, I ultimately was left with very little surprise playing this game, which to me is an important element of these types of games. Like I want to be shocked. I want to be surprised. I want to be put in these positions where I have hard decisions to make, where I sit there for five minutes wringing my hands and I can't come up with the right decision to make. I had none of that in this, none of it. All the decisions seem very fluffy um, other than like, Guide, intentionally guiding yourself towards whoever you wanted to hook up with, basically. Whether mm-hmm. you wanted her to be gay or straight. And there's even a part in the game where they ask you, is she gay or straight? Or both. Mm-hmm. Like, why you're playing foosball, which is so weird, <laughs> weird timing. You can, um, you can realize a few things playing foosball. Yes, exactly. You. So it's not even like you are subtly guiding her in this direction. Like, ultimately, like they ask you, like, who do you want her to be? Who is she? Um, and then you start seeing the rest of the story take shape based upon what how you make what decision you make in that moment. Um, I enjoyed it, but honestly, the last third of the game just turned into a grind for me. The ending was not a surprise to me at all. Um, they towards the end of the game, they finally send you back to learn her origin story and learn a little bit more about her. But it was like. I felt like that should have happened way earlier in mm-hmm. the game. Like, narratively, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, you go through all of this, and then they send you... And it literally takes, like, an hour. Like, they send you back to this section of the game where you learn of where she comes from and how, you know, what happened with their family and what how her brother came to go to juvie mm-hmm. and all this stuff. I felt like that should have happened way earlier in the game instead of at the end when you're kind of waiting for the quote-unquote climactic mm-hmm. conclusion to the, the plot. And you got to wonder, like, I mean, I haven't gotten there, but, like, there's, I always have the question about the late origin flashback. It's like, okay, why am I finding out about this now? Right. Was there a reason to keep me from knowing this until there now? There wasn't. There is and, not. Like, that just seems to be sort of a Square thing. Yeah. Like, I wonder how much input Square had on, on the structure know. of that. Um, is it a good adventure game? Yeah, it is. Like, I'm not saying it's a bad game. Um, and I think most people will probably get wrapped up in it. I think most people who start it, I don't know if they'll finish it. I think they'll get pretty far into it. But, again, I think most people are going to start to figure out what's what's going on with the, mm-hmm. the primary plot in this and what the twist is going to be way before it ever happens. I know I did. Um, yeah, which I admit was not really true of 2. Right. Um I didn't think the first one either. No, the first like, one was wasn't predictable. I completely caught off guard by that game over and over no, There were definitely some swerves in there. Yeah. but I, like, I would say that that was what the weakness of Before the Storm was that it was too easy to see where everything was going. And yeah. I chalked that up to the fact that it's a prequel. Right. That and doesn't I, help, yeah, for yeah. sure. But, like, the fact that the same dev had the same problem with this yeah. is a little disheartening. But. Yeah. But, it, look, it is a good adventure game. And I do think it, you know, in a few months' time, when we're talking about Game of the Year stuff, I think it's going to come up for best adventure game. Mm. Um, it's not bad. I just It just drags 
in, in all honesty, in a lot of ways. Um, and I think a lot, you know, will depend on how savvy you are with plot and plot structure and hints and foreshadowing and those kinds of like you picked up on a lot of stuff. Yeah. In the amount of time that you played. Yeah. Like uh, look at also look at the name of the floral shop. Right. Yeah. Like not subtle. Yeah. Especially considering what you what's going to happen there. Yeah. And look the and again it's not very. I think that's actually literally that character's last name. I think it Letha, is. Letha. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's some that's some uh, that's some Harry Potter name. That is, shit, yeah. Right? And actually, they do some stuff with the flower shop later on, mm. where they show what it's like if you have Alzheimer's and you're inside the shop. So mm. everything's like scrambled up, like and things are spelled differently, and, and letters are transposed in words, and blah blah blah. Mm. Again, they handle that stuff really, really well. It's just very low on interactivity. Even the supernatural stuff in this is lame compared to prior games in the series. Literally, the empath stuff is you squeeze the left trigger, an aura appears around them, an icon pops above their head, and then you hit a button. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much it. So it is really low on interactivity. I don't feel like the decisions I made had a huge impact on what ultimately happened with the game. Uh, But it does do, do a really good job of developing characters. I did care about the people in the town. I did care about Alex. I did care about her brother. Um, and I think that's a big objective for adventure games. And so mission accomplished there. Um, but I think the pedigree and the expectations are pretty high mm-hmm. for this franchise. And I do feel like when compared to other games in the series, it does fall a little bit short. Um, there you go. That's Life is Strange, True Colors. Uh, the other thing too, Matt, I would bring up is this game is not discounted. No. So... Normally, these games, they're indie games. You get them 10 bucks, 15 and you may eventually be able to get this I for mean, that. this ain't no indie game. It's Square. Right. And now Square is running it, and it's it's full price. And so there are things in this game, like there are T-poses. Like mm-hmm. I've had characters snap into T-pose. I've had characters go to walk indoors, and like you'll just get these weird flash frames, like mm-hmm. where it doesn't know whether they're inside or outside. Again, that, some of this stuff I saw in prior games. And you let that slide when you're paying $15. Right. When you're paying more... I'm a little less willing to forgive and forget. Um, another good thing about it, though, I will say, you get the whole game at once. So it's not like you're playing a chapter and then you're waiting like two months for the next chapter and you kind of half forget the decisions that you've made. You can plow straight through this. I did. It took me about eight hours to get through the whole thing. It's pretty big for an mm-hmm. adventure game. Especially um, for one street. And I would say, too, Matt, I do wonder if the game wore on me a little bit mm-hmm. because I was going through it straight yeah i mean i do wonder if my perspective on it would be a little different if and it may be worse because it may be like they end on a dumb cliffhanger and they don't you mm -hmm. know resolve the cliffhanger like right away like it's a different way to play the game from what you're used to and it could have been to the game's detriment it could have been to the good uh there's no Mm -hmm. way to know because you're just gonna either part i mean part of it does feel significant that it's not called life is strange 3 yeah that is true yeah that's a good point this team seems to just sort of do the side know, stuff. Yeah, side stories. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. I will, I do wonder if Don't Nod will come back and do a third one. It feels like Don't Nod has their own stuff it to seems do like now. It's moved on at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a shame because when they were in control of this franchise, it was next to well, Walking Dead and this kind of neck and neck. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I understand if you don't want to work under Square's yeah, I get supervision. It. I totally get it. So. There you go. That's Life is Strange, True Colors. You can get it up for pretty much everything. It's on, I think it's even on Stadia. 
And we hmm. didn't put it in the lower third because we ran out of room in the lower third. But it's all this is also available for Stadia. If you're one of the 80 subscribers of Stadia, you're gonna need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, it's time for some. Maybe fun. it runs better on that. <laughs> It's time for some fun. It's time for Name That Game. Uh, if you guys don't watch the show a lot, or maybe you haven't watched for a while, it's a fun little game that we play at the end of every episode where I give you clues, and you need to guess the name of the game. People love this, by the way, Matt. Mm-hmm. Like We've been getting comments on both YouTube and on Sifted and on Patreon. Some people like skip straight to this yeah. as soon as they watch the they, show. They just want to see you frustrated. They do. They probably do. <laughs> I think I have a good one today, though. I think this one's going to mm. go pretty well. I think we may make it to the third clue before people guess it. Um, and I know for a fact Matt has not seen any of this because I kept it buried in my list of notes for today's episode. Here's how it works. So I give you a series of clues. Did we just level one hype train emote? Let me share that before we get going here. Get the, that emote out there. All right, here's how it works. I give you a series of clues, and you're just trying to come up with the game that I'm trying to hint at. Um, Now, because Matt is here, and there's a slight delay with chat, if Matt names the name of the game, and I look over, and within a beat or two, somebody else has the name of the game in the chat, then the chat wins. So basically, chat wins all ties. And if you win, you get a set of six sifted stickers that we sell on our store at sifted.com dot net slash store for like eight bucks and we will ship them anywhere anywhere in the world we've already sent some to portugal we sent two sets of stickers to different parts of the u.s no matter where you live you live in antarctica we will send these stickers to you so everyone is in play no matter where you live but you got to beat matt kyle and matt is really really good at this so you gotta really be on your game i mean matt is really good at this so be ready um last time i couldn't believe that you got it man the last one was the most impressive um, the darkness? Yeah. Yeah. I said, this game believes in love, mm-hmm. and he guessed the darkness from that. So that's that's how it works. Those are the type of clues you're going to get, and you have to try to figure out the name of the game. Um, maybe it's better if I bring up the chat on screen so people can see if anyone in chat guesses it. All right. So here we go. Name that game. And again, the chat wins all ties. Are you guys ready? Choo-choo hype. <laughs> Everyone's in the house. Oh, someone's already called it Body Harvest. <laughs> I need a buzzer sound effect, actually. So when people guess, I can give them the buzzer. Yeah, got to bring back that game That's show right, network thing. <laughs> okay, here we go. I hope Matt does not get this on this first clue. I will be so pissed. <laughs> clue number one. I provided a whole new perspective on survival horror. I provided a whole new perspective on survival horror. Hmm. Anyone in chat got any guesses? Outlast. No. Silent Hill. No. RE7. That's a good one, but no. Mm -hmm. Five Nights at Freddy's. No. Condemned. No. Eternal Darkness. No. No. Alone in the Dark. No. All good guesses. Dead Space. No. Fatal Frame, no. RE Survivor, no. Survivor's a good one. That is a good one. You guys are doing a good job from that clue. You guys are coming up with good ones. Binding of Isaac, no. Someone already guessed Fatal Frame. Yeah. Fatal Frame's a good one because of perspective. Mm -hmm. I thought of that. You guys are smart about it. Nothing nothing quite fits in my head right now. Darkwood, no. Dead Space, no. Zombie, you, no. Amasia, I'm not even familiar with that. I think it's supposed to be Amnesia. Oh, Amnesia, no. The Medium, no. That's a good one, too. Yeah, because there's perspective in that. That's true. All right. Mm. Okay. 
Clock Tower, no. Evil Within 2, no. All right, this is good. A lot of people guessing Fatal Frame and Outcast. Nope. Yeah, my first my first thought was Silent Hill because it was the first 3D one, but it right. seemed too easy. Nope. Resident Evil Dead Aim, no. That's the arcade yeah. shooter, I think. Yeah. The light gun shooter. All right. You guys didn't get it. We made it past clue number one, Parasite Eve. No. Big Dave Liz- Lazard. Here comes clue number two. Keanu Reeves admires my moves. Hmm. Geist, no. Fear, they got it. Mm. Too quick, Capri got it. Good oh, job. Oh, the Matrix stuff. Good job. Too quick, hey, he lived up to his name. Too quick, Capri, you got it. It is fear. Hmm. Awesome job, and a round of applause for you. Congratulations, man, great job. I didn't think anyone was going to get it. Man- Manny says he got it before the second clue was given. That's awesome. Good job, Too Quick Capri. Awesome work, man. You beat Matt Kyle. That is no easy task. I, I do somewhat agree with Zet Saber there. What? Uh, fear being a survival horror game is sketchy. New perspective. First-person perspective. It's a first-person survival horror game. It's not a survival horror game. It's a shooter. It's an action game. But that's No, fine. no. If you do any research on it, it's always called a survival horror game. That was I've the, never you, heard it called that before. The developers even say that they were attempting. But it was the first clue. You weren't supposed to get it from the first clue. Right. But I'm still saying I would never think to call that a survival horror game. I would only mention it because I was running out of horror games to think of. Look it up, though. Like, the developers say that they were trying to create a new kind of survival horror game. And here's the other clues that I had. And these are obviously, as it goes on, we try to make them more obvious so somebody will get it. Third clue is, if you're for, if you're looking for something a little different from a shooter... Give me a ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ring for the yeah, Alma. Yeah. yeah, and then yeah, the, I guess it, it the Wikipedia for survival horror first person shooter. I don't agree with that, but okay, if yeah. that's what they call it. Um, and then the fourth clue was my alma mater is a monolithic studio. Right. And Alma is the name Alma of the character, and, and, and then monolithic, monolithic is the it. studio. And then the other monolith. Yeah. And then the final clue was I am the mind killer. Mm. Fear is Fear. the mind killer. That's yes. from Dune, correct? Yes. Yep. So anyway, Timely. that was a good one. Awesome job, man. So too quick. You can send us a DM here on Twitch, um, or you can hit me up on Twitter at Dinfire, or you can send me a DM on Sifted at Shane, or you can send us a message on Patreon, whatever. Make Dave sure you- Lazard actually makes a good point. I'm like, it's, I'm a little surprised that there's been no Fear Remaster collection or something. Yeah. It feels like something that people would want to go back to. At this they ended point. up making, what, three games? There's at least three. Yeah, there were three of them. And yeah. I think there was a spinoff, too. There was, like yeah. a, there was a spinoff where you played as like one of the random like SWAT mooks. Also, by the way, I should add that Fear is the reason that Marcus and I became friends. Yeah, somebody actually mentioned that in the chat. Yep. So Marcus was the, the head of PR on Fear, and was I working for I was working for Tech TV or X Play at that point? I think. Uh, Tech TV, I think. I think I was, yeah. And so I went to play the game, and it was so weird. Marcus took us over to the Vivendi office over here at Howard Hughes, right by the airport, and he literally put me in a closet to play this game. <laughs> it was in a closet, an air conditioned closet, so small, and I sat there and played the game. I ended up giving it like a four out of five, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. And Marcus lost his mind and told me I was insane and that I was the only person who hadn't given it a perfect score and that I didn't know what I was doing and that I was, uh, he didn't call me a hack, but he like hinted at like, 
you shouldn't have reviewed this game, stuff hmm. like that. And I was like, dude, like, whatever, okay. Um, so anyway, that ended up, we ended up becoming friends because we went back and forth through that whole mm-hmm. process and we became friends. And we I think seeing, time has proven that to be an accurate score. It has well. been, yeah. Um, and even four out of five now might, well, back then it was four out of Back five. then it would have been, yeah. yeah it, 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 the visual impressiveness and sort of the, the, the inventiveness of the mechanics, like now the, it now would be pretty pedestrian. And the bullet time and all that. Yeah, but now it would be pretty pedestrian, but at the time, it, I, you know, it certainly implemented bullet time stuff better than any of the Matrix games yeah, had. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so anyway, because of that, like we just became friends in the industry, and then ultimately, like when I got the game trailers, um, he reached out to me. He's like, "Hey, like I'm thinking about doing some journalism stuff," and I knew him so well at that point. I'm like, "Yeah, you're funny AF. Like, I'd love to get you on the show, and I know you know what you're talking about." So that became him coming on Invisible Walls and Grumpy McGrump, which was what he was first called, and then Annoyed Gamer, and on and on and on. Um, also, an update if you guys are wondering about Marcus. Um, his treatment is working. He, I don't know how much detail I should share. I'll just stop there. His treatment's working, um, and he's encouraged by it. Uh, encouraged is a relative term. Mm-hmm. He's um, very in positive spirits about it's everything. It's amazing, especially yeah. Marcus. Yeah. Because, I mean, his reputation is annoyed, grumpy. The way he's handling this, I can't even really put it into words. It's really amazing. Um, but he, his, the treatment is working. So the stuff that he's doing, it's, it's making a difference for him. And I'm not going to say how much of a difference. I'll leave that up for him to, to share with you guys. But if you guys are all kind of rooting along, um, keep doing it because he needs the encouragement and everything. And obviously we all love Marcus and we always will. Um, I'm tr- trying to get him in to do some stuff with us. Um, not sure what that'll be yet. He's doing his own thing and support his streams and all the stuff he's doing on Twitch and on YouTube. Um, I think he does a show every Friday or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, like jump in there and like talk to him. Like he he needs like positive reinforcement and people that love him to like interact with him and all that stuff. So support him. Follow him on Twitter at Annoyed Gamer. Um, and he tweet you know before he goes live he tweets all that stuff. He just needs support from people mm-hmm. who care about him right now. Um, and that's what we can do. And it's free of charge. All we got to do is just show up and hang out with him. And that makes a difference for him. So do that if you can, if you got the time. Uh, again, I think that's every Friday that he does a show. Um, so just make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Annoyed Gamer. Um, I know it'll mean a lot to him. And I will appreciate it. So from my heart, like, help him out. He needs it. And, you know, we all hope that if we're ever in the position that he's in, we'll have people. So pass it forward. Pay it forward. Uh, let's see. I think that's it for the show. Mm-hmm. It was a good one. I had a good time today. It's been good getting back, in all honesty, and hanging out with you guys and interacting with chat. You guys hung tough all the way to the end. Saw a bunch of new people in chat today that I have not ever seen in our chat, um, which is awesome. Um, if you are just a lurker, get involved. It actually lets us know when you guys chat like for the first time, and we can recognize you guys and welcome you guys to the Game Face crew. Um, we are supported 100% by Patreon. In fact, I'll run the Patreon banner right now for those watching on YouTube. Uh, go to patreon.com slash sifted. That's S-I-F-T-D without the E. Um, and you can pledge as much or as little as you want. And depending on what you pledge, you get various rewards. You guys know how Patreon works. Um, I think our Patreon set up pretty well as far as rewards for the tiers. Uh, if you want to get your name in Game Face, it's like 30 bucks a month. And you'll, get, you'll be part of the scroll that runs along the bottom of the screen. Even if you just want to kick us a dollar or whatever, 
it all adds up. It all makes a difference. And in fact, I think our Patreon right now is at its lowest ever or close to its lowest ever. I took a week off and we lost a ton of money. It's very discouraging. But I appreciate all the people who give us anything. And I'd rather focus on the people who are helping and being a solution to the problem instead of the people who are not. So uh, I appreciate all you guys who support us in any way, shape, or form. Even if you're just sharing Game Face on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, if you like the show, share it. That's how we're going to grow. That's how we're going to generate more revenue. That's how we're going to make more content. That's how we're going to do two episodes of Game Face a week instead of one. So our show isn't three hours and nine minutes. And it's we're not talking about something that's eight days old because we'll have two shows during the week. So uh, that's our big goal. We want to do more than one episode of Game Face. We want to do more shows in general, more content, more value for our patrons. Um, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Dinfire. As I said earlier in the show, follow Matt at mkeil. That's M-K-E-I-L. Uh, he's got big projects going on, and we want to all rally around him and help support his projects with his films that he's working on. Uh, that's what it's all about, building a community that can help buoy everything that everyone is doing. Um, I think that's it, though. We'll be back next week. Um, mm-hmm. Don't be afraid. We're not going to go away. <laughs> <laughs> I know we were gone for like a couple weeks. You may be like, oh, no. Like, we'll be back next Tuesday. We're here every Tuesday at twitch.tv slash siftedgames at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. And we'll be back here next week. And we'll be talking Kina. And I think there's a couple other big games coming out. Mm-hmm. The show is going to rock for the rest of the year, I think. If you look down the barrel of the release calendar, there's tons of stuff coming out. show should be great from here on out, and I'm very happy and honored, in all honesty, to have you guys along with us. So on behalf of Matt, I'm Shane Satterfield. We'll see you next Tuesday. Game Face is up and out.